Hello, hello, and welcome. Welcome to the first installment of our UFC previews for 2024. We are in the future. 2024 is upon us. Had a chance to do a show last night with the lovely Haley, a.k.a. Hayes, a.k.a. the host of Butterfly Guard on Wednesdays. That was the first recording for this year. I'm not going to bore you with my personal stuff other than to say that uh, the holidays was a big move for me and moving is always a bit of a challenge. So forgive me for not being online, not recording as much, uh, just a lot less content than usual, but we had a break, right? We had a break and now we're looking at the first UFC event of 2024. Of course, UFC Fight Night on Kaliev versus Walker. Before I continue... I have to apologize for my setup. Uh, I am not fully set up. I am. I have some lofty goals for this year in terms of how I want to, you know, portray my studio online. I'll get some feedback from you guys, but I do want to do multiple camera angles so we can appreciate sort of the feng shui of our setup. Uh, nonetheless, yes, I'm in a new home now, and uh, with with God's support and the support of my wife and our family we've been able to make the right moves and so we're here for those who i promised to do some episodes on the in the outdoors or in the pool or you know certain areas of the house that is coming so stay tuned and we're far from using the pool because it's now the middle of winter here it's cold it's raining <laughs> it's probably that for most people in the united states right now uh, my prayers go out to people who've been affected by these recent storms. <clears throat> Excuse me, it has been uh, there's been some deaths. It's been bad, but uh, anyway, back to back to what we're doing here. I'll have some upcoming videos. Uh, I'll try to host some of our our uh, <clears throat> videos. Excuse me, uh, in the outdoors by the pool, by the hot tub. You know, we'll, we'll mix things up. But for now, let's focus on UFC Fight Night on Kalia versus Walker. I'm going to give you a a dive on each fight and give you an idea of what I think some things that I think may help you find a few at least dogs in this card because it's easy to just put a bunch of favorites on your parlay ticket and be like, oh, they were favored, right? Well, there's a few favorites here that I think you're going to be want to at least take a double take. We'll go over those fights. We'll talk about some prop bets. I'll give you a background on each fighter that I know of or any details that maybe I could share with you. If you're here live, Comment section is open. I'll pay attention to the best I can throughout the you know this this show and try to give you guys feedback for any questions that you have. Um, am I forgetting anything? Oh yes, I am forgetting. We have a tapology group. People like Anthony W in the chat and some of you others that are probably in here already. You guys know about our tapology group. I'm gonna post a link right here in the bottom. It's it's free to play this game. Now last year we had a host of different prizes available usually cash prizes in our tapology group. And I want to emphasize it's absolutely free to play. So it's not like if you're if you're in that group, you have to subscribe to something or seven-day trial, nothing like that. You go to tapology.com, you create your own account, very easy, not invasive. Uh, there's no physical required. You know, it's pretty simple email, whatever else. No spam that I know of. Tapology's pretty legit firm. But create your account. Then send us a request to join that group. I believe the idea is 1269 is the idea of the group. 
Join the group, make your picks each week for each UFC event. And if you win top spot, which again, is free to play, you get yourself a prize. Sometimes cash, sometimes some kind of an item. Nonetheless, it's been a fun space. We've got about 50 people in there right now. Let's raise the roof, get ourselves to 100, the more the merrier. It's just good, friendly competition. If you're not familiar with Tapology, you just pick the fighters, how they win the fight, decision, round one, KO, whatever else, whoever has the most accurate card, they're the winner, and we announce a new winner for each UFC event. So check that out. The link is down below. It's www.tapology.com forward slash groups forward slash 1269. For those listening to this on our podcast, I'm sorry, not our podcast. This is a podcast. For those who are hearing this uh, episode through maybe some type of a podcast medium, whether it's your Apple podcast or Spotify, whatever, I'll repeat that for you again. So again, it's www.tap, like T-A-P, like tapping somebody, but tapology. So T-A-P-O-L-O-G-Y dot com forward slash groups forward slash 1269 come and play the game win some money win some prizes most importantly do some flexing all right in the comment section real quick before i jump into this uh, situation my man zeno gray swing through says what's up y'all how about what's up to you zeno thanks for joining us anthony w Probably wins outright the 2023 MA Fight Club fan of the year, which probably sounds corny, but Anthony will tell you that that came with some perks. He won some cash. He was aiming to win $1,000 last year in total prize money. Did not, but came damn near close and always very supportive. Anthony says here, main event gives me deja vu. Eon versus Uncle Live first fight. Eon faked being hurt. Rematch, Ian got crushed. Walker versus Uncle Live won. Johnny faked being hurt. Will the same result happen? Let's see. Ha ha. Well, Anthony, it's there's a lot there. Of course, he's probably trying to squish his his characters together to get his whole comment as fast as possible. But I do have some pretty strong thoughts on that main event. And uh, we'll get to that, right? So we're going to go with the prelim card first, work our way up. Again, for those who are hearing this on podcast, I'm going to do the best I can to really focus on describing what we're seeing, we're talking about, and trying to read these comments uh, carefully for you guys. Those who are here right now on YouTube, lie with us. Thank you. Slam the like button, subscribe button, notifications, all those good things. And hopefully we're going to be a new outlet for you to absorb some mixed martial arts content. Yes, fan of the year. Yes, my man pulled in about a good, you know, nine stacks of bread last year just by being here, playing the games, and we don't charge to play our games. We're here to have a good time. We're not here for a long time. So, again, join our Tapology group. That's the point. Um, let's jump into this card. Oh, one more thing from Zeno Gray. He says here, Six of the seven fights announced for UFC 300 have a current or a former champion in it. I don't understand the crying, LOL. Your thoughts? Let me address that. We've become entitled. We've become spoiled brats. There was a time, there was a time when we had UFC events like once every season. <laughs> it wasn't 
you know, two UFC events per month. It was like there's going to be one in the spring, maybe another one in the summer. Maybe we don't even know the next one when it's going to be scheduled. So for the old timers, the old heads, the people that have been sort of like for me, I'm not an old head in terms of like, oh, I went to UFC 35 in person. I have a signed, you know, ticket from the no. I hopped on mixed martial arts as a sport that I enjoyed, started to appreciate, became a fan of about three and a half, four years ago. So I'm not going to pretend like, oh, I remember UFC 100. I don't. <laughs> I didn't watch that. But I was aware of the UFC. So that's important to note. I'm in my 40s. So unless I was under a rock, I was aware of like, you know, McCain, the senator from Arizona, who was trying to, you know, basically put the brakes on combat sports and was, you know, saw it as like cockfighting. So I was aware of those days. I kind of remember it. But I also recall you couldn't find a UFC event. You know, it was difficult because they had to work to put on events. They weren't licensed in every state and so on and so forth. I'm getting off on a tantrum here. So here's my point. How dare we, how dare I, as a mixed martial arts fan, turn my nose up to a 11 12 fight fight card which i can watch it on espn plus they have raised their rates boo but still it's accessible i don't have to go jimmy rigging something to find these fights i had the time location blase blase so i think all of us need to like pick the wedgie get our panties out of our ass you know type of thing if that makes no sense to you basically just Stop bitching. <laughs> and we should enjoy the fact that a three, four week hiatus of holidays, everyone regroups, spend time with the family, and we're back to 2024 where we're going to have pretty much a UFC event almost every weekend. <clears throat> Does that mean we should be satisfied with every single main event or every single fight card? No, because satisfaction is the cousin of complacency. So complacency breeds averageness. But don't make any mistakes about it. We have to also appreciate the fact that we get mixed martial arts. And I would say without the UFC, we wouldn't have like, let's say the Bellators, the One Championships, the LFA. We've got more mixed martial arts right now, today, in the in the, in the the queue, as they say. When you're downloading your video games, when it's in the queue, we have more mixed martial arts in the queue right now than ever before. So I guess to answer your questions, you know, I think that people just need to like take a step back. You know, there was a time when it was a little bit tougher. <laughs> like when you're, when your grandparents tell you or your dad tells you, I had to walk to school uphill both ways, barefoot and dodging wolves and tigers. Like it's, that's that's a that's a it's a joke i'm being sarcastic but there was a time when you could even watch more than one ufc event every two or three months because they just didn't have enough so yes power to the fighters power to ufc keep producing events push the tempo uh you know 52 weeks in, in a year I guess 50, 52 fight weekends would be ideal, but they need some weekends off. They have big events going on. They have road to UFC. They've got, there's times during the fall, my last thought here, there's times during the, like this, the late summer, early fall, they've got contender series and fight cards 
that's on the heels of like the tough, the ultimate fighter series. So, you know, but in terms of details, Zeno, I do want to say I've only seen a few of the names. Like I saw like uh, Zhang Weili is, is fighting. Is it Yunnan? I could be saying her name incorrectly. People were like bitching about that. It's like, ugh, come on, man. Like two Chinese fighters fighting for a title. Like that's okay. Ever heard of Bruce Lee? I'm not trying to be like sarcastic. Like it's all good. It's all good. All right, a few more comments, guys. I'm going to jump into this fight card with you. So LPS jumps in here. He says, I just need a certain matchup void filled, to be honest. So when you say a certain matchup void, ask the question in terms of do you you need another part of a parlay or do you need to avoid a certain matchup? Because I have a few matchups you might want to avoid. Um, So drop that question a little bit more deeper if you don't mind, LPS. If you're on the move, I'm going to be here for at least an hour, so take your time. Uh, Zeno jumps in back in with 100. Thank you, brother. I guess you uh, approve of my correspondence, my message. Good evening, uh, EQ. Good evening. I'm I'm packing a handful of these prime drinks. I bought a, I don't know, not a pallet, but a lot of these prime drinks because they were on sale at some local, you know, like a Costco. Got them from my kids. And uh, I kind of like a few of them, so now I kind of hoard some of them in my office here. If you forgive me. So okay, Zeno Gray says here, I definitely agree, bro. We don't need to accept anything they give us, but we got to be grateful too. It's a half glass, half full type of situation. Anthony says here, China versus China doesn't get me hyped. LOL. Well. <sighs> I would admit that there could be possibly a better challenge for Zhang Weili, but I guess I'm going like on that whole, I I guess I'm having a a moment of nostalgia, right? Like why not get two Asian female fighters? Again, you know, the whole Bruce Lee thing. This guy was a real dude, nasty martial artist, and he was from the Far East. So I I can see the play on that, but I understand too the, the, the lack of excitement for, the opponent there for Whaley. Anthony also says here, I want to see a fight that gets me excited. I want my excitement void. Ha ha. <laughs> yes, we all do. Uh, LPS here, fill the void of a fight that really gets you excited to see how it plays out. Ugh. Okay, so I want to make sure I understand this. So, okay, are we talking in general LPS? I know I'm qualifying these questions here, like all the fights that we could imagine right now or a fight that's on this fight card. Because I do have one or two fights on this fight card that I think have the potential to be fight of the night. Should be very good. And uh, yeah, quality H2O type of thing. Toe Miggins, let's go, brother. And you know what? On that note, let's go. Forgive me if my eyes are trailing. I have multiple monitors here. I'm still working on my setup. Again, for those who know, they know. I've just relocated recently, which is a good thing upgrading on the home turf but uh, my camera's here if i'm looking up here it's a bigger monitor if i'm over here different monitor but forgive me let's talk details here this saturday 13th of january the first event of 2024 for ufc four o'clock p.m eastern time on espn plus we've got ufc vegas fight night or ufc vegas 84 Anka live versus walker now there's 12 fights as of now this is being recorded on thursday live with you guys Friday, tomorrow, there'll be the weigh-ins. We could lose a fight or two. We could have some issues. But nonetheless, 
um, you know, we will prevail, do the best we can to give you some some knowledge here. LPS, I saw your comment. I mean, for UFC 300, nothing, uh, nothing screams at me. I hear you. Give me some time. I'm going to get back to that, brother, because I'm only a simple man. I can only do one thing at a time, and I want to make sure I cover UFC Vegas 84 tomorrow. But if I forget about this LPS, hold me to my word. I do want to get back to that. Um, I like to be yelled at. Oh, <laughs> tell me how you like it, brother. I see you. Well, brother or sister, whoever it is there. Um, okay, so UFC Fight Night, Ankalaev versus Walker. I do want to start way down below here at the first fight in the card. That's Felipe Buns. I feel like I'm saying that. I'm trying to be careful. It's not bum, bum, like B-U-M. It's not buns, like I want to grab your buns, but it's kind of pronounced buns. Felipe Buns, B-U-N-E-S, from Brazil versus Joshua Van. Let me pull up their side-by-side -side for you guys here. And uh, I'm not going to share the screen. You know why? Because it's too much for you tonight. I can't do the <laughs> share the screen stuff right now. It's just too much for me. But flyweight bout, 125-pounders, Felipe Buns, who goes by Filipinho. 13 and 6 overall, 3 2 in his last five. From Brazil, as we said before, 34 years old. Not only he's 34 years old, not old, but 12 years older than Joshua Van, who's only 22. And we'll get back to that as well. Bunt is 5 foot 7 in height with a 71 inch reach and out of Pitbull Brothers. The Pitbull Brothers, as in, you know, um, Fabricio Pitbull and his brother, which those guys are a bit of legends down there. As for Van, who goes by the Fearless, he's 9 and 1 overall, 5 and 0 in his last five. He's from Myanmar. Myanmar, jeez, I can't even, it's his nationality, Myanmar. So he's very unique in that he's probably one or two of only fighters in the UFC currently representing that country. He's 5-0 and zero in his last five, 9-1 overall, now based out of Houston, Texas, 22 years old, 5-5 five five in height, so giving up about 2 inches in height and about 6 inches in reach. We'll come back to that as well. And Joshua Van has trained at a 4-ounce fight club. Not sure if he's still there. Um... I do want to share the screen. You know why? I feel like if I can show you guys what we're talking about, I know that later on in this uh, video for timestamp purposes, it'll make it much easier for me to. Uh, yeah, I think that's how I do this share. OK. All right, here we go. So we're talking about this fight. And again, forgive me, I'm making adjustments on the fly because a lot of my setup here is very new. But uh, let's do this here. Let's go full screen. And all right, let's zoom in here. Felipe Buns. All right. So here's what we're talking about here. Flyweight bout. 125 pounders. These guys are light, very athletic. Tons of skills. Very quick twitch muscles, right? Now, if you're subscribed to our newsletter, I'm going to post that link right now for you guys. The newsletter right here is run through Substack. If you don't know what Substack is, check it out, baby. Substack is a great platform for all the people out there who want to do a newsletter at some point. It's free, awesome tools. People can subscribe for free or be on a paid list, whatever the case may be. Maybe you're into photography. Maybe you're into fishing, whatever the case may be. Use Substack. We use Substack. Subscribe today. You could be a free subscriber or a paid subscriber. Either way, we appreciate you. The link is down below. And for those listening right now on our podcast, MMA Fight Club, that's MMAFightClub.substack.com. And Substack is spelled S U B S T A C K.com. All right. So Felipe Buns, he's plus 210, Joshua Van minus 258. 
before I tripped into the breakdown, I thought to myself, oh, this Van kid, 9-1, looks pretty good. And I sort of was leaning towards him. The line also leaning towards him at minus 258. You got buns at plus 210. Our prediction is this. Joshua the Felix Van wins by decision. That's plus 220 for Van to win by decision versus him winning outright at minus 258. So if you have the balls, per se, to make that bet and that prop, and it were to cash, you're definitely flipping the odds, you know, quite frankly, whale in your favor, a much better payout. All right, so Van is 2-0 in the UFC with both of his wins by decision. He's looking to get his eighth win in a row. He hasn't dropped a fight in three years. He fought two months ago at UFC 295, where he earned a decision win over Kevin Borjas, right? B-O-R-J-A-S. Now, Van's explosive, very grappling. The only area we'd like to see him make some improvements in is his finish rate against quality opponents, that is. So prior to the UFC, lots of finishes, high finish rate. But now in the UFC, back-to-back decisions. Now, it's not an indictment on his fighter skill overall. It's more of indicative of what happens to fighters when on the regional scene, racking up finishes, step up in levels, a little bit tougher, and now we're winning by decision. Now, as for Felipe Buns, he should not be taken lightly here. I believe he's a live dog. And though he went through a rough stretch about a few years ago, he started to pull things together. And like Van, very explosive, dangerous on the ground, three of Buns' last four wins included some type of a ground finish, whether it was a ground and pound, excuse me, about to sneeze, I was fighting that sneeze for about a good 30 seconds. So he's had he's had a few ground finishes, ground and pound, or submissions. Now Buns needs to pay attention to Van's BJJ skills as well. Prior to signing with the UFC, Van earned several ground-related finishes. Buns might be the best overall fighter, though, that Van has faced. And Buns matchup Buns matches up well with Van. Matter of fact, if you take away their age, which is the biggest difference, these guys are Similar on film, explosive, lacking of fear. They'll go for it. They'll they'll go after their opponents on the feet and on the ground. So in many ways, these guys are similar, but the age is a big factor. You're talking about Van is 22, Buns is 34. Now, 34 is not too old by any means, but don't 22-year-olds make mistakes? I mean, not mistakes in terms of effort per se, a mental mistake, a small mistake where Josh... Maybe just hasn't been knocked out, hasn't been stopped as much as Buns. Makes a mental mistake, exposes himself. Next thing you know, the young guy makes a mistake. 22 years old, that's my only like reason why I'm saying, hey, you know, Joshua could lose the fight. Because everywhere else, I do like the kid. He's got great ability. He's learning, getting better. Obviously, if you're looking to invest in stock here, you're putting your money into Joshua Van. Much longer, you know, flight time here for his career as opposed to a guy like Buns who has similar fight experience, but he's already 34 years old, right? Now, some more details here to consider. This fight here, to me, has all the makings of being a fantastic battle. It won't win fight of the night because it's the first fight in the card. It's almost impossible to become fight of the night on a card like this when you're the first fight. But two unproven fighters, the only difference is really age. The guy who's older, he's not aged out by any means. Any means, I'm sorry. Now, for what it's worth, young fighters, again, you got to remind yourself, they make mistakes that, to me, is a difference maker here. Though we're going with Van by decision, Buns is a live underdog here. Here's the betting spots we like for this fight. Over 1.5 rounds. Minus 175 odds for that spot. The fight goes the distance, which is plus 140. Remember what I said before about Van? He's getting his now, sort of his feet wet in the UFC, back-to-back decisions. 
Now, Buns is a bit of a reckless fighter, and Van can be reckless too. But again, what weight class is this? 125? A full distance fight here would not surprise me. That's plus 140. That that puts you in a situation where if you were to bet that spot, instead of Van straight up and that were to hit, obviously the return's much better. And do you want to be holding a ticket for either side if it does go to the decision? Because it could be really close, right? So again, fight goes to full distance, plus 140. Buns of the money line is plus 180. And there, if you're looking at that spot, which I'm considering placing a small bet on, you're probably better off actually just when the fight goes to distance. Because I think if Buns were to win, it's probably by decision. You're not getting much of a difference there between plus 140 and plus 180. Now, here's something else to consider. These lines are not out yet, but Van by split decision and Buns by split decision. Again, I'm kind of tripling down the fact that this fight could be very close. It can go back and forth. You can be left with a situation where you can argue that one or two, one of both of them won the fight. Again, 125 pounders, lighter guys, not one punch knockout type of power, fairly durable. This to me has all the makings of a pre-fight the night type of thing, maybe the best fight on the prelim card. So again, over 1.5 rounds. I like that spot a lot. That's minus 175. The fight goes distance, plus 140. Buns with money line at plus 180. Both guys by split when the split props come out. Look for those on DraftKings, wherever you bet you place bets on your fights. The prop lock. The best bet, I believe, on this fight, the one that's the safest, the one that I would parlay, over 1.5 rounds at minus 175. It's not too chalky. It'll bump up your parlay. And quite frankly, I just think this fight could be won by either guy, but they've got enough durability there to, I think, get past that seven and a half minute mark. So first fight in the card, we're going to go with Joshua Van to win by decision. I do want to mention, by the way, if you guys who are not subscribed to our newsletter, we have an Excel sheet. We provide some files on Google Drive, which are all free to access. And in there, for example, let me see if I can pull this up for you guys. Share this tab instead. There we go. Let me just go uh, like a full screen if I can. Let me see if I can do this. Here we go. All right. So this tab right here, I'm showing you. If I were to scroll down, I'm going to see the Joshua Van fight right here, which on here we have some repetitive information. You've got the odds. You've got their records, their last five, their age. If we do a red mark around a box that's just a concern point for us so in this case here joshua van concern point being he's 22 he's been an adult for just a year now in the continent of the united states so it's just one of those things where could he make a mistake yeah the orange box means it's a live underdog the left hand column is who we're picking to win and asterisk means we're picking that person to win low confidence over here is a ranking systems you can see the different the different areas we're ranking them on that's experience fighter iq cardio finishing ability striking and grappling and then this area here is for our props right so for this fight right here the fight going the distance is plus 140 that's a sneaky good spot here if you have the the moolah to pull a trigger there over 1.5 rounds the fight begins round two that prop price is not out yet the split prop price is not prices are not out yet either um van by decision is plus 220 again if you're placing that bet and it cashes Boy, you're coming out much better than if you're betting on Van straight up at minus 258. I mean, not to tell you what you don't know, but if you're putting 258 bucks up on Van to win straight up to win 100 bucks, first putting like, I don't know, 50 bucks on him to win by decision, you know, just saying. Uh, for us, that first fight, though, the prop lock is the over 1.5 rounds. And if you go a little bit more over to the right here, you scoot over on this Excel sheet. This area here has film links of their prior fights. I do want to confess. One of our sources that we used before a website has not been showing these these a lot of these films. So we're kind of relegated to just YouTube, which is a limited, you know, sample size. But our goal is to give you guys film links of their prior fights that you can access for free without any kind of 
sub or membership to, let's say, for example, UFC Fight Pass or any other subscription devices or services. So these are links where you can watch these for free. But there's our film library. Uh, this crypto column is pretty much what their kryptonite is. So for in this first fight here, our critique of these two guys is the finish rate of Joshua Van and then for Felipe Buns, he does go to some close decisions. All right. So last first fight again, last note, Joshua Van by decision. That's our pick. And we're going to move on. I'm going to check the comment section for any questions about this fight. Then I'm going to dive into Tom Nolan versus Nicholas Moda. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm on Nicholas Moda win the fight. All right. Let me go ahead here and pull up the uh, the profiles of these two young men here, Nicholas Mota and Tom Nolan. And uh, all right, there we go. This will be the next fight we're going to talk about here, a lightweight bout, 155. Before I get there, let me jump to the comments section real quick. And uh, again, if my eyes are looking at you, forgive me. I, I'm still very much looking to... Thomas Montanaro in the house. I just saw some comments from my boy. I'm still very much getting settled here, so for, forgive thy. Um, <laughs> I see this comment right here. Yeah, the hot tub's going to make me a soft dude, right? So Thomas, my brother from another mother, from another color, my man from France, he is one of the, the greatest supporters of our content here at MA Fight Club. Thank you so much, Thomas, for, for jumping by. He says here, what's up, Manny? Again, no, no notification. YouTube, what the F? I know. I don't get it either. But Thomas, I am so excited for you, my French brother. He has obviously, you know, he's got, uh, he's trying to will all the French fighters to, you know, rise up the rankings. And this guy, you know, Santini is Benoit Santini has a fight coming up. I, I'm a big fan of this guy, a former like commando for the military in France. And I saw your comments about that, Thomas Montanaro, the other day. I'm looking forward to seeing this guy fight. He is, uh, legit business aw writes in here i forgot my Substack. uh got a new phone lol I'll have to figure it out well anthony just um hit me up dude and i can reset it, some stuff for you um if you forgot your password no big deal um so thomas and anthony going back and forth okay um yeah aw let me know later on dude and i'll hook you up to make sure you get access to the newsletter so all right guys on that note let's jump right into this fight, prelim card fight, lightweight battle, 155 pounders. You got Thomas Nolan, who goes by the big train up against Nicholas Moda, who goes by iron, like, you know, iron sharpens iron. Moda's 13 and five overall, two, two and one his last five. And, oh, my dogs are barking. It must be one of my uh, people coming home. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Let me mute myself here. Oh, my apologies. My dog decided to <laughs> turn into a watchdog. I'll be right back in a second. Breaking this fight for you guys in detail. Tom Nolan, Nicholas Moda. 
Enjoy the tunes. I'll be right back. Boys and gals, let's talk fights. Here we go. So, Moda versus Nolan. If you guys are here tuning in on YouTube, you can see the screen here. For those who are listening via our podcast, here are the numbers. Moda is 13 and 5 overall, up against Nolan, who is an impressive 6 and 0. I imagine a lot of betters will be running to the Betting booths putting Nolan into parlays, thinking, oh, he's undefeated. Minus 345 range. I'm here to tell you, it's a trap, baby. It is a trap. Be careful with this fight. And even though I think Nolan has a chance to win, has done a great job in his young career, might even deserve to be the favorite. Moda has fought better competition. And, you know, other than being stopped by a few quality fighters, I think he's a very much live dog here. So back to details again here. Moto 13-5 overall, 2-2-1 his last five fights. From Brazil initially, now based out of Las Vegas, where he trains out of Extreme Couture. Of course, very well-known gym, a lot of good fighters. And Moto's 31 years old. Ash for Big Train, undefeated, from Australia. Got the cool accent. 23 years old in 10 months. So we got Moda about to be 31, Big Train about to be 24, seven-year age difference. I don't think it's a huge factor. And I believe at 24 with Big Train, he does lack experience, obviously, but I wouldn't consider him, you know, too young to know for his own good, right? Now, there is one notable thing here on this size chart. You got Big Train at six foot three, a man over here, Moda at five foot nine. I'm not a mathematician, but I believe that's a good five or so inches, uh, maybe six inches in, in difference in height. That could be a factor depending upon how the fight plays out. We'll talk more about that. And of course, with that height advantage for Big Train, he's going to have a six inch or five and a half inch, excuse me, reach advantage as well. So no one will be the strong, I'm sorry, the, not stronger, no one will be the longer fighter. That should be obvious when they do weigh-ins and obviously when the uh, the fight begins. Okay, let's go back over here, look at our notes. Again, good time to tell you guys, subscribe to our newsletter. There's a free version and a paid version. 
95 to 99% of our content is free. When I say the other part is not free, it's just a few small things behind a paywall. It's just ways to motivate you guys to support us and what we're doing here. Otherwise, most of our content is absolutely free. So check it out there on Substack. So Nolan's the minus 345 favorite, Nicholas Moda plus 275. It's a lightweight battle. So these guys are 155 pounders. Those are guys that are cutting weight, but they're in good shape and they're pretty much normal size humans, right? <laughs> For Nicholas Iron Moda, we think he's going to win this fight by decision. And by the way, on DraftKings right now, Nicholas Moda, the win by decision is plus 900. You know, 10 bucks to win 90 bucks. That's my kind of bet. Five bucks to win 45 bucks. Just saying, uh, two and a half bucks to win like about 20 something dollars, you know? Uh, I love those kind of bets. So Moda is one to one since joining the UFC. He came via contender series in 2020, so that's about four years ago. Durability has become a slight issue, though, for Moda. So Jim Miller and Will Torres both put him away by TKOs in the first half of the fight. So here's a guy who's coming in here, having been knocked out recently by two guys. I mean, Miller, we know. He's kind of got his punching power in the later part of his career. And Torres is a finisher. So it's not that he's been getting beat by trash per se but he is getting knocked out at these odds though at plus 275 for moda it's tempting to consider him just because he's got a slight experience advantage has fought in the ufc longer better opponents so on and so forth now on that note though do you really want to put your money behind someone who is inconsistent and possibly has chin issues so as i give this advice to you i'm telling you here's where you're going to put like five bucks, 10 bucks, and just take a shot at a moda, excuse me, and you just kind of roll with it. You don't want to go put something heavy on this because ultimately he's a guy who's been inconsistent recently and not just inconsistent, it's the chin too, right? Now, Moda has the experience, as I mentioned before, he's faced tougher competition. He's fought more than double the amount of fights in total as a professional compared to Nolan. For Moda, he's going to need to lean on that experience and obviously avoid danger to win this fight. Now, as for Tom Nolan, Dude's been red hot since joining the professional ranks in 2020. He's undefeated, has finished his last four opponents all by knockout. Nolan's earned a first-round knockout also on Contender Series last fall, which was obviously what springboarded him to get a contract from Mr. Dana White. For Nolan, his record looks pretty good on paper. You take a little few layers back, you do a little more diving in there, you notice that some of the competition has not been very good. So, for example... Of his last four wins, or his last four opponents, he's undefeated, of course, there's two guys that stick out to me there. One guy has a 9-7 and seven record, and one guy has a 3-4 and four record. That's not Nicholas Moda. Now, Moda may not be the best of the best in UFC, but he's definitely better than a 9-7 and seven or 3-4 and four regional guy who Nolan's been facing recently. Moreover, the UFC first-timers with limited experience coming in as big-time favorites, that's just no way to make money. It's just, you know, I could bring up examples of this, but some of these examples you guys know too. The concept of, again, putting your money behind guys who are unproven, who are like three and a half to one favorites against a guy like Moda, who we at least we know what Moda is. We know what we can get from him. He's going to be competitive against UFC competition. We just don't know that yet about Tom Nolan. So until Nolan earns a few knockouts in the UFC against higher level fighters, guys we would consider like a guy like Moda, it's also like the jury is still out on, on this guy, Nolan, in terms of his finishing ability. The paper paper record is good. A lot of finishes, winning streak, but he hasn't finished a guy at this level, so I'm not sure it's going to translate. So for me, Nolan just hasn't done enough to be 
a big favorite in this fight. And from that reason alone, I guess I'm chasing the dog money here. But I just think that if you look at the reality here, he's got too much to prove. So we walk into this fight, you know, analysis, and we thought to ourselves, yeah, Nolan, undefeated, taller guy, you know, looks the part. He's young and, you know, things going for him. And you're just like, wait a second, who has he beaten? So for me right now, I've got to sort of stand pat here on Nolan. I want to see some more from him. If you're betting on Nolan, you're parlaying him. May the force be with you. I think it's a great dog spot here, though. For me, some prop bets to consider. The fight begins round number two. I do like that spot. The prop price of that's not out just yet. Over 1.5 rounds is plus 210. Before you say I'm crazy, what do you mean the fight goes over? Mode on the main line as well as my last prop bet to consider. But here's the thing about this. I think that Nolan and Moda are somewhat more even than the line suggests. And so if the fight begins round two, offers that, let's say, minus 200 or minus 250 range, I'd parlay that spot. I believe we can see five minutes here. And I don't believe Nolan's finishing ability will translate right off the bat. We just talked about a fighter in the last fight. We were talking about Joshua Van. Joshua Van had finished his left and right, joined the UFC, back-to-back -back decisions that's just normal once you step at your level in game it gets tougher so i could see at least the first round going by if that first round just could fully gets you know consummated you can get that fight starts around two on DraftKings for a reasonable you know parlay piece i'd rather probably this, this fight at minus 250 230 range for the fight begins round two than tom nolan outright at minus 345 so just something to consider so again our pick is going to be tom nolan I'm sorry, Nicholas Iron Moda by decision at plus 900. That's our official pick. Let me look at our Excel sheet real quick here and just take note of any props here. Oh, yes. Okay. A few fights in this card for me have like that little twinkling of it might be a split. This is one of them. So when the split props come out, those prices, I'll be looking to play them depending upon the actual prices. I'm imagining with Tom Nolan being such a big favorite, for him to win by split will be like a plus 650, plus 700 range type of thing. For Moda win by split will be like plus 1500. So I'm I'm going to put some lunch money on that. But the props like here, the fight goes the full distance. That's plus 700, by the way. <laughs> so that means if I'm I'm telling you I like Moda by decision. Let's say it just goes a decision and no, Moda doesn't win. The fight goes a distance is plus 700. I know it sounds crazy. It's obviously against the trend. My, the market doesn't agree with me, but this is how you make money. You know, 15 bucks in that spot makes you about 100 bucks. So the fight goes over 1.5 rounds at plus 210, like that spot. The fight begins round two. That price is not out yet. Both split sides, and then Moda by decision at plus 100. That's how I feel. That's how I feel. <laughs> okay. Let's go back over here to uh, the list of fights. These fights, by the way, that are on this fight card or schedule, they've been pretty consistent. I haven't seen, you know, we had one or two changes. Joshua Van was a late replacement, not late replacement, I'm sorry, that's not true. Joshua Van is a replacement fighter on this card, but it wasn't a late replacement by any means. Let me catch up these comments here with you guys real quick. Um, AW writes in here, he says that I feel like Moda, in the Brundage versus Reese situation. I don't know why I feel Moda. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, we have a few guys in this fight card, actually, who are either making their UFC debut or they're fighting their second fight in the UFC coming off of a loss. 
And there's levels to this game. I didn't I didn't invent that phrase. We all know the phrase and what it means, but there's levels to this game. And so Moda clearly has fought better guys. And I think if you if you really hone in on that fact, he's not too old either. It's enough to like look at that line and say, wait a second, can he win this fight? Yeah, he probably could. And you're gonna put some money on Nolan Nolan, right? And if you were to drop the fight, you're left later on saying to yourself, why was I betting on a guy who's never won a UFC fight at minus three three forty five odds, right? <laughs> and that's just it, exactly. AW next comment says just not a sample size with no one. Exactly right. What's up, Sancho? Sancho Bermuda checking in here. He says little Sancho checking in. Sancho also writes here, Nick Moda has had a rough go lately. Props to him for sticking it out. Yeah. You know, I'll tell you, the, the records of these guys, you see somebody's record, it's like one in four in the last five or one in three or back-to-back knockouts. For example, Phil Hawes. We'll get to his fight later on, but like Phil Hawes is having a rough go of it, man. Like I think three of his last four fights, he's been knocked out in the first round. That's a rough go of it. So, yeah, it's a great point, Sancho. Anthony writes back here. He says, Mata KO worth my sprinkle. Why not? I think that it's a great idea, Anthony. And Anthony, by the way, has a sharp a sharp mind for this stuff. He's been a, I believe, multiple-time winner of our Tapology group. So respect that analysis right there. Even the money line, exactly. So just mod, listen, mod on the money line right now at plus. It's currently sitting at plus two seventy five, and again, mod by decision at plus nine hundred. I, I guess I, it's just on it's on the brain. Sancho says here, UFC debutants are not easy for fighters, or UFC debuts are not easy for, for fighters. It's it's so, it's so true, dude. They can't sleep as well the night before. There's so much excitement. It's it's new settings. Um, the pressure of wanting to perform, to change your life, you know, all these things are there. It's real. You have to be a robot not to feel it. And so it, it's a great point. Antoine Willis in the house, my brother, Antoine Willis, uh, great dude. You got to follow this guy on Twitter. There's a lot of good writing, follows multiple sports. I've been on his podcast before. Antoine Willis, my man, thank you for stopping by. Happy New Year. And keep uh, keep your thoughts going. And yes, I opened the show tonight by saying that uh, the new house, I'm in the new digs. So I guess I can I sort of, you know, I'm, I'm uh, wait, let me actually grow my screen here. I'm the new digs, so a bit of a new background, but I'm still working on this. I, I have my, my dogs are in here with me, my both my dogs, but I'm going to be doing some more stuff also, Antoine, with the updates in the house, the backyard, the pool. I do want to do some stuff outside recording, but. First episode we did of the year was last night with Haley. Now we're into tonight. So thank you so much. And yes, successful move, Antoine. It was, I can't wait to show everybody because when you know you do some, when you work your ass off, guess it'd be nice. You obviously want to, you know, flex a little bit, but also just share with you guys what I've been sort of doing as a, as a family man, what's been the project. And hopefully that's also going to result in some more content for the channel this year and allow me to do more content. Uh, that's the goal. But last month or so has been rough. Sancho says here, exactly the pressure of a debut, although Dana White Contender Series gives Mata's opponent slight experience. Yeah, yeah, but I, we're on the same page, Sancho. I just think that you, it's hard to measure what that first UFC fight's like 
And again, there's a few guys in this fight card who kind of have been through it and it hasn't gone well. Like Weston Wilson, I'm going to talk about that fight next. Weston Wilson, what did this guy do to deserve the treatment he's getting? You know, thank you, Antoine. I appreciate you very much. And uh, yeah, I'll be giving some more updates. And when you need me, brother, go outside, put that that light in the sky for the Batman. Call me. No, I'm just joking. When you need me, brother, just let me know. Nikki, un placenta. Nikki, how's it going? Good to have you here. We're talking about fights for this weekend, UFC Vegas 84. I'm running off on a tantrum. Um, I see Nolan filming like Zachary's. Yeah, it's just, I think all the makings are there. They are there. Welcome to the room, though, Nikki. Welcome, all 10 of you guys. Thank you. If you're here already, click the like and subscribe. Come on back for some more content. I am going to right now jump into the next fight in the car, which is going to be this one right here. Uh, let me change the layout here for you guys. Okay, so I don't want to spend too much time in this fight other than to tell you that there's a few details that you're going to want to know when you're talking with your friends this week about this fight or you're trying to sound smart in a room. Let me put the volume down this music here because it's kind of distracting me now. But there's a few details about this fight which I found to be interesting. And I'm a bit of a Dana White contender series you know, buff. I like to watch that show. I I do videos on that show. I do live, you know, watch parties for that uh, show every week when it's going on for the eight or 10 weeks. It goes on during the late summer, early into the, in the fall. So I remember Gene Silva fighting and he was a dog. He was a plus like 130 underdog, maybe even more like plus 150 on his contender series fight. And he won. And he won by decision. Now, I'm going to keep this breakdown short and sweet. Imagine if you're an underdog in contender series and you win by decision, how in the world would you end up being a minus almost a thousand favorite in your UFC debut? I'm missing something. <laughs> how did a guy go from being an underdog on contender series, which is just a few months ago, to like now he's at like Bo Nickel price tags? So either one of two things is going on here. And forgive me for going off my script, because I do have a script that I usually stick to. But if you guys want the written breakdown of this fight, please subscribe to our newsletter. The link is down below. So here's the one or two things that I could think of. I want to make this into two lanes, two ideas of thinking. Either one, Weston Wilson is full-on trash, like can't beat nobody, couldn't beat his stepsister, injured, like the UFC knows. This guy is trash, and Silva's going to take him out. Or, or, or if it, or if it's not, if it's not that Weston Wilson's that bad and they're just like, oh, you know, it's that they just want to build up Silva. So they're giving him Weston Wilson, but it's, it's one of those two truths and you can combine both of them into the same concept, but it's actually two different things. It could be like a normal fight, but just Wilson's just like so bad. So Silva just kick his ass or the UFC knowingly the matchmakers was like, you know what, this guy Silva. We could use him for some stuff. Let's feed him Weston Wilson. You also should know that Weston Wilson made his UFC debut against Anderson Brito last year in his debut, and he got served up in L, not to be surprised. He got finished, got finished quickly and easily by Brito. Usually guys who take that fight as their debut, they get you know some favors on the back end from the UFC. <laughs> UFC is doing Weston no favors. They're giving him another guy who's out of a good gym and fight nerds, right, down there with Cabarallo and company, 
and a guy who's a high-level finisher in, in this guy, Gene Silva, though he didn't win, win by decision on contender series, but you get the point. So Wilson's now a plus 625 underdog. And I'm back to what I said before. Either he's fully this much of a trash bag, he's terrible, he doesn't belong in the UFC, and they're just trying to wear his ass out. Or it's also the UFC thinking about Silva as a guy they want to build up a little bit because this fight doesn't make any sense on paper. It's not equal. It's not fair. <laughs> it's going to look unfair pretty quickly. But I'll say this to you. There's no money to be made in gambling if you're parlaying a guy like Silva at minus 1,000. Like you're better off just watching this fight, getting up, getting a snack, having a beer because this fight's going to look like it doesn't belong on the card, like it's not a fair fight. Here's some numbers for you to consider. The fight no distance is minus 1,600. <laughs> uh, 1,600 for the fight, just no distance. The under 1.5 rounds is minus 375. So the line's telling us, the, the numbers are telling us, Weston has no shot. He won't survive even the first round. The round one submission prop for Gene Silva, who does have a couple submissions and Weston has been submitted before, the round one submission prop for Gene Silva is plus 400. If you watch Silva film, he strikes a little bit crazy, a little bit like Marab Devashvili. Like just it's like awkward. It's it's chaotic. But you got a gas tank for days. He's annoying. He's in and out of your face. He can wrestle with you too. He's got a bit of a chin. He's just overall a problem. And I guess Weston Wilson is the victim. So prayers to Weston Wilson. I don't know what he deserved to do, what he did to be in this spot. The only thing that he has in terms of advantages over Silva is experience because Wilson's fought approximately 24 fights compared to 13 for Silva. But, you know, again, Silva's coming out of a good camp. Fight nerds has all the advantages and he's probably going to win. Uh, just I wish these two guys could be fighting someone else. And in the case of Wilson, I guess he has one more fight on his fight contract. They used to get three fights, right, for their first fight contract. So <laughs> next fight, if they give him someone who, again, un unbalanced, and you know that Weston Wilson's just cursed and they were feeding him to fighters that they wanted to build up, has no chance to succeed. Because, again, I'm going to say one more time, it's not a fair fight for Wilson. If you watch Wilson on film, it's regional film. Those are the fights he was kind of winning. His first fight, the UFC against Brito, gets demolished. So those are my thoughts, guys. Let me jump over here to the comment section real quick before I move on to the next fight. Um, give me a second here. All right. My apologies. I, I think someone is now officially coming home. I'll be right back, guys. With you, I don't ever feel calm. I could feel the sweat inside my palm. Play with me like cats and a string. You don't understand the pain it brings. You don't ever want to give me wings. You don't ever want to set me free. But if I lay down and I play dead and I stay dead, baby, you'll get sick of being a monster out of my head, under my bed. Think you're something out of my nightmares. See me right there. But if I lay down and I play dead and I stay dead, then will you get bored of killing me? Then will you get bored of killing me? 
never quit. Do it right. Play the game. Win it life. Have no shame. All right. All right. I'm back. Some comments real quickly here. Um, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Anthony W here writes in like we should get rid of Wilson kind of fight. Laugh my ass off. Yeah, it's true, dude. I feel like they're just feeding him to the wolves. I just, you know, and look again with Silva. <laughs> he won by decision on contender series. He was a slight underdog. Now he's a minus 1,000 favorite. That is wacky. Um, Yeah, Antoine, some dogs I like in this card. The prelim card, I like Felipe Buns, Nicholas Moda, Taylor Lopolis, and Preston Parsons. Now, I'm not betting all those guys. I'm not even picking all those guys to win, but I am picking Preston Parsons to win, and I'm picking Nicholas Moda to win. So as for the main card, I'll get there. Um, but yeah, those are some dogs I do like. Good question, Antoine. Next question from Antoine. He writes in here. He says, I think 2024, they're going to really cut the fat like Weston Wilson. He's only got it because of knowing Wonder Boy. But I think low level fighters like him are going to be out of 2025. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I agree. Oh, thank you, Anthony. Now I know what you meant by I'm, I'm sorry about that, Anthony. Anthony was saying here he he meant the dogs. <laughs> the actual dog. My my dogs. Not the other dogs. My dogs who are barking and running around. Um, yeah, good comment, Anthony. I mean Antoine, because uh I mean look, they signed a lot of guys. They signed almost everyone they could this year from contender series, so they, they did add some some new new victims <laughs> to, to the to the table. But again, our official pick here is going to be Gene Silva to win by a round one submission. Um, again, the full breakdown and the written breakdown, some more notes and stats. You can find that in our newsletter. That link is down below. Now's the time to remind you guys that uh, we also have a Tapology group that's free to join. Join that group. Compete for prizes. All free stuff. All stuff. You could win cash. Prizes. You don't have to subscribe or pay for anything, but created a Tapology account, which is free to do. Join us. The ID number is 1269. Let's move the card here to the next bout. This will be the fourth fight on the fight card. Fareed Boshrat versus Taylor Lopolis. And I tell you what, man, even though I do like uh, Mr. Mr. Boshrat, the guy's got potential. He's undefeated. This has all the makings of an upset, too. And I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you right now I do like Bashrat to win. I'm choosing him to win the fight by decision. But I I slept on Taylor Lopolis in his last fight, and I paid the price. I looked at his background. He suffered some losses back in the day, his first journey in the UFC, but then got a winning streak against low level competition, whatever. And he came out looked good. So I gotta give it to the guy. And Fareed Bashrat's a guy who I feel like he's getting a bump on the the line from Vegas. And and you can see how he wins fights sometimes by decision in a fight where he was like kind of a distinct favorite. So I just feel like he's a guy where that bubble could burst anytime. He's got a brother in the UFC as well. We know that, you know, he's one of what only a handful of fighters that hail from Afghanistan or maybe one of two now him and his brother who fight from Afghanistan. And so he represents a target an audience and he's got a brown bounce game plan. I'll talk more about that in a second. But I'm gonna tell you right now. This fight also could be a flip. You could see Taylor Lopolis win the fight by decision, not by finish. Lopolis is not a big time finisher, low, 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 low finish rate, excuse me. 
but a guy who has the tools to kind of stymie Bosch Rods wrestling, make it tough. And if we're on the feet for long periods of time, I think Taylor actually hits harder. You know, so I kind of gave you the nuts and bolts of what I think about this fight. But, you know, side by side, similar in fight experience with Taylor having more fights, 19 and 3 compared to 11 and 0. Taylor's from France. Shout out to my boy Thomas Montanaro in the, in the chat there, your buddy from France. Age wise, only a few years separates these guys. Taylor's 31 years old, Fareed's 26. Height wise, very similar. And reach wise, also as well, similar. For fighting gyms they, they're out of, Taylor fights out of MA Factory. Of course, that's the likes of formerly Francis Nagano and then now. Cyril gone and for free Bosch Rod out of extreme couture with of course Strickland and Eric Nixon and the whole bunch of different good fighters over there. So on paper, not much difference other than the fact that we got a undefeated for Reed Bosch Rod and we got Taylor Lapos with a 19-3 record, a little more experience. Okay, let me get to some details about these two guys and give you my prediction. So I believe this fight is going to end up with Fareed Bosch Rod winning by decision and a very close decision at that. That right now is line at minus 135. So for reason, the money line is minus 270, but for him by decision is minus 135. You got Taylor at plus 220 on the money line. For Boshrat, off to an impressive start. No question. 11 and 0 is the start to his professional career. Only 26 years old. Six of his 11 wins are by submission, and most of those are by some level of a choke, rear naked choke, or some kind of Darce choke, but he likes to choke people out, put it that way. Now, on the other hand, Lopolis has never been finished. That's 22 fights, never been finished, let alone submitted. So for Boshrat here, if he were to find a finish, he'd be the first guy to actually stop Lopolis, and that would be a big accomplishment. Now, Boshrat's making improvements, maturing as a fighter, and becoming very balanced. I, I believe Boshrat's going to be in this for the long run. He will at some point move the rankings. I'm not sure he'll be a champion at some point, but he's got the tools, the work ethic, the brother in the fight game, at a good gym, moves around the world, make the sacrifices to, to be the best he can be. So he's got all those like sort of tools you see. He's getting mature, mature, mid-20s, so on and so forth. Lopolis, though, is also on a winning streak of his own, has more experience than Boshrat. Now, though we like Boshrat's chances to pick up the win here, we aren't as confident as the line. So minus 270, that's almost minus 3 to 1, right, for Boshrat to win the fight. I think this fight should be more like minus 170, to be honest with you, because Taylor's a good fighter, too, on a winning streak, and has shown that he's durable enough to withstand the submission attempts and the possible knockout power from Boshrat. Now, as for Lopolis... Looking for his seventh win in a row. Again, we said before, I'll double down again on this. 23, 22 professional fights never been finished. The key to victory for Lopolis is this. He's got to force Boshfarad to work in a boxing-style fight. Freed's much more dangerous on the mat than he is on the feet. And when it comes to takedowns, Lopolis averages 0.45 takedowns per fight compared to 3.50 takedowns per fight for Boshfarad. There are similar striking stats, almost the exact amount of strikes per minute. And you could argue that Lopolis may be Lopolis. Lopolis lands with harder, more power. The only, critique, the only critique that we have here of Lopolis is his propensity to go the distance. Five of his last seven bouts ended up in judges' hands. He's been he's been three, three split decisions as well. Let me repeat that. Five of his last seven bouts have ended up in the judges' hands. He's also been at three split decisions. For Lopolis here, he needs to execute a nearly flawless game plan to derail Boshrat. Look, Boshrat's the guy who's hot. He's the one that's kind of like his name is building. He's undefeated. If this were to get to something very close and go to the scorecards, I'd be worried for Lopolis that he might end up short there, right? Because of Lopolis's durability, Boshra by decision is the way I would see him winning the fight. He could steal a round or two with a takedown. That's also important to note. So even though I believe Lopolis will defend most of the takedown attempts, we'll get back to his feet. If it's a close round and Boshra gets a takedown with like maybe 20 seconds of control, that could be the deciding factor in a close round. Some betting spots here. 
over 1.5 rounds is minus 525. It's a bit chalky, but it could be a parlay piece in a fight that I believe will be very close and will go some distance. The fight begins round three is minus 360. So if you believe that we can get 10 minutes off the clock, they both have good endurance, both, you know, both, both very durable. Both guys have never been finished. We could see the start of round number three. That's minus 360. And then Bashra as a parlay piece that I'm not as confident with, but I think ultimately it's his fight to win. Now, a prop lock here for me is over 1.5 rounds. Again, very chalky, but I like those spots because I can bet that as a parlay piece. Watch this fight. Tick, tick, tick. Once we get to the halfway point of round number two, I don't really care who wins at that point from a betting perspective. But again, I do believe it's going to be Lopolis coming up a little bit short here in the scorecards. You're going to see Bosch winning by decision. If you like Bosch submission ability and like what more than more than half of his wins are by submission. If you like that, I didn't take a note of his uh, his winning prop price to win by submission. Then I actually deleted it off my sheet because I'm not sure it's going to happen because, again, Lopolis is very durable. But free Bosch by submission is like plus 250, plus 300 if you like him to win in that format. But again, for me, the best prop lock here is the fight just hitting the seven and a half minute mark over 1.5 rounds at minus 525. What are your thoughts here about this fight, guys? I'm going to shoot into the comment section right now. Okay. Um, yes. So right here off the bat, Zeno says here, Taylor winning wouldn't surprise him. I agree with you, Zeno. I think a Taylor win here would not surprise me. I faded him in his last fight. It was a mistake. He obviously came out there and did a great job. So He's a guy who sneaky good right now and on a massive winning streak, right? Um, Sancho writes in here. He says the Basharat brothers, Javid and Farid, are beast. BJJ wrestling and striking, yeah, very balanced. That's one of the things I have in my notes here is that at least for Farid here, very balanced fighter. I mean, he's got a good submission threat, you know, good BJJ skills. Obviously, very durable, but his striking is not so bad either. Um, Antoine writes here, even on a side note, Manny, you said that you're trying to get rid of him. Dustin versus BSD, Charles versus Armand are crazy because we could lose two veterans who have been in the UFC for over a decade. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I um, absolutely, man. There's going to be some people getting washed out this year. There's going to be some people getting washed out. LPS writes in here. He says, I'm so biased with the underdogs, LOL. Yeah, but you know what? I think in this situation, there's actual real reason to to give him a shot. Sometimes we all do this of like, oh, I'm chasing the dogs. This guy could win. But I mean, I'll get to a fight later on this card. Like Mario Batista, I think Batista could definitely win that fight against um, my man Simon. So we'll talk about that fight when we get there. Ricky Simone, Ricky Simone. I call him Simon. But there's a fight where it's like that dog is barking and, and ready to go. LPS right here. Every dog I'm thinking, I could see a world where he where they win. Yeah, again, prelim card. I could see Felipe Boone's win. He's just like Joshua Van. I could see Nicholas Moda win. I'm I'm already predicting that. Weston Wilson, I don't see him winning. <laughs> uh, Tillopolis, I can see him winning. Gaston Bolanos, ah, I'm jaded in that fight. I'll get to that fight in a minute here, but I, I think McGee's got that one. Preston Parsons, I haven't picked the win. And Andre Arlovsky, do not sleep on the old man Arlovsky. We'll get to that fight in a few moments here, but that fight right there, all the makings of another fight that could end up, you know, in the works. Antoine writes in here says, I think Dustin F's up BSD, to be honest with you, way more experienced against better fighters and was looking good against Justin until it landed. On paper, there's no question, Antoine. I believe Dustin has, you know, two careers under his belt already over a guy like BSD who is super impressive and the rocky fighting style and the blood and the gory and the commando 
all these different things about him super cool but ultimately has not fought dustin poirier and we've seen also bsd get really effed up sometimes get into wars and have just the, the, the heart to get through it so great matchup for bsd a chance to put his name on the map if he beats dustin but yeah i kind of agree with you i think dustin might be a little bit too much too soon and so anthony writes and i think dustin gonna be too comfy and get broken under pressure well if if he loses that fight anthony that is the official sig signal of the end for dustin poirier not because it bsd is not that good it's just like passing the guard time to move on right split decision for Boshra pssa 31 writes in i i love that I love that. I'm going to put it in my notes here. You know why? Because I'm, I, I listen, I already have him by split. And quite frankly, I mean, I already have him by, by decision. And the split price is probably a beautiful thing. I'm going to look it up right now for you. But why not? You know, um, matter of fact, if you guys will look that up for me, let me know in the chat section. What's the split prop price for free botch rot and Taylor Lopolis for both sides? It should be available on some websites. If you have a DraftKings account, look it up there because I believe that fight, they have all the. Um, all the props already out there on that for me though the prop lock for that fight is the fight going over 1.5 rounds okay let's digress guys and let's move on so again we're on free bosch fraud to win by decision but i do like pssa 31's comment there about a split because and i think look didn't i say before taylor lopolis has been to three split decisions now granted 20 23 fights or so so that's roughly 30 15 like around 15 percent or so of his fights have gone to split decision and uh this, this fight because full, full distance these guys are very durable and this guy's not been finished before so all right you guys heard all that before let me go ahead and move on to the next fight next fight marcus mcgee versus gaston balanos and a fight that i'm going to tell you right now I, I can't be biased because i've had a chance to interview marcus mcgee i'm a family man myself so from one family man to another i respect the grind he got a late start to his mma career he had to do it the hard way. He's he's appreciative of his family, kids, wife. Imagine if you're a single person and you're pursuing a mixed martial arts career, how how rough and rigid that would be. Now, you put two, three kids in the household, you got to put the roof over the head. It's not just you. It's them, your wife. You're putting everyone through the rigor. You have to have the patience to come home, spend time with the family, and not be selfish. This guy, to me, is a hero beyond the cage. He's a social nugget of gold. He's a person who helps the community, does community type of service. Uh, you know, we'll joke with you and talk with you about how he gets a kick out of his kids going to school and talking to their friends who say, oh, your dad can kick people's ass. There's a part of you and me in this guy, McGee. There's a part of all of us in a person like him. Humble, doesn't look to, to put anyone down in the process, appreciative. That's probably because, again, late start to his mixed martial arts career. Now, all that said, badass dude who can F up anyone who's hungry as hell, recognizes the opportunity. Like when you were 17 versus when you were 27 versus maybe your early 30s, like you start recognizing the value of opportunities. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's a relationship. You start like realizing this shit ain't going to come around all the time. When you're young, you just don't value the the value of a dollar you don't think about how bills get paid you know your parents maybe put a roof over your head and they paid the cable bill you're just not thinking about none of this stuff you talk to mcgee or a guy like mcgee in the interview we did with him those are the things that we were talking a lot about life not just fighting so i have a special place in my heart 
as a fan of, of Marcus McGee, having interviewed him after his first UFC fight, a few days after his first UFC fight, gave us the time to interview him. To watch the interview, go into our YouTube channel. You'll find the interview. But here's a guy who, again, represents a lot of the positive things. So I cannot go against him. Now, here's what surprised me about this fight here, Marcus McGee and Bolanos. When it first opened, you had McGee at minus 345, 375 range. I saw that about three weeks ago. I thought to myself, I'm jumping in on that. I'm putting down him as a parlay piece, lock it up, throw the key away. So even going back four, three, four weeks ago, I was putting Marcus McGee into these long range parlays with college football, you know, uh, the playoffs, college football, bowl series, NBA, NHL, whatever. With a lot of confidence. For whatever reason, the market is 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 fading him now to some extent. He's now minus two twenty five, almost minus two hundred and some books. So money's coming in on Bolanos. I'm not even suggesting Bolanos is not a good fighter. He's actually pretty good. You watch film of this guy; he's he's decent. Okay, he's a bit of a fighter himself. Well, I should say a bit of a fighter. He's a legit UFC fighter. He's in the UFC. But I'm not wavering. So if you're getting now Marcus McGee at minus two twenty five, minus two thirty, I'm parlaying him. Right there. I'm not putting 225 in, in cold hard cash on him straight up to win, but I'm definitely parlaying Marcus McGee, and I believe he wins his fight is at the distance. Now, some things to think about here is Marcus McGee has won all of his fights inside the distance. There does exist a possibility that maybe he's going to have a cardio issue, could get tired the second half of the fight. Bolanos is a bit of a of an energizer buddy, can keep the, the momentum going, keep not momentum, keep the, the output going for all three rounds. What if McGee gets tired, blows his proverbial wad in the first half of the fight, does get a finish, you know, finds himself uncharted territory, and Bolanos, a guy who's goes with a dream killer, puts on a pace where all of a sudden we've got a tired McGee. That's possible. What also is possible is that McGee is training in a very good gym. Okay. He's in there with some guys at the MMA lab where he's putting the time in. He's the kind of guy where he's the last one out the gym, first one in. He outworks people. Marcus McGee is an overachiever. And I say with a lot of like, I, I want to be an overachiever. That means you're 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 doing better than what God gave you per se, you know, or where you may have been born into. So overachiever, that's a compliment. And I believe Marcus McGee is that kind of guy. Again, late start in his career, but looks good, right? Looks looks fantastic. Now, record wise, eight and one for McGee, seven and three for Bolanos. McGee is American fighter from Arizona. 33 years old for McGee, 31 for Bolanos. So age is really not a factor here. Five eight for McGee, five seven for Bolanos. Same height, same reach. Again, gym-wise, McGee's at MA Lab, training with some very good fighters, and I believe he's gotten some shots from some guys like, you know, Sugar Shane Mosley. I'm sure Sugar Shane O'Malley. People who are credited fighters in the business are saying, listen, this guy's in the gym putting the work in, hardest working guy in the gym, and he's a little bit older. He's kind of thirsty. He wants to do something with this thing. He realizes time is of the essence, right? Let me pull up their notes on these two guys real quickly here. So McGee minus 225, Bolanos plus 185. We like McGee to win this fight by a round two knockout, and that's currently lined at plus 650. 10 bucks to win 65 bucks, not a bad spot. For Bolanos, won his first fight in the UFC a little under a year ago against Aaron Phillips. So he won his debut, very impressive. It wasn't a fight of the night type of performance, but he did enough to earn the win by decision. Before going to the UFC, Bolanos fought for Bellator for about five years, 2017, 2022 to be exact. During his time in Bellator, Bolanos went 7-3. and three. So right there, 7-3 and three in Bellator, the second most competitive promotion in the world, a.k.a. PFL, spent a good four or five years in the promotion, comes to the UFC, wins his debut. So here's a guy who, cerebral, 
checks out. Fighter IQ, it checks out. Now, if he had like a four and five record, five and five from Bellator, lost his UFC debut, I'd be like, all right, this guy's kind of whatever, pass over. The point is this, Polanos is certified. He's a legit fighter. He belongs in this fight. He's going to put up a good fight. He's not going to just lay down for McGee. For, for Bolanos, he does his, he does a good job of mixing in Muay Thai clinches. If you watch him on film, he grabs the back of his opponent's head, pulls it down, tries to land some knees. Excellent dirty boxer. One clip of him in a fight where he's doing a spinning elbow in tight. Now, look, spinning back stuff, some of it's, I want to say lucky, but it's, you know, things have to work out. He did a spinning back elbow on a guy who literally just, boop, light switch off, face plant. So he knows what it takes to do that. In close, his dirty boxing, like I said, is pretty good. Now, like most fighters, Bolanos does his best work when he's pushing the pace, forcing the opponent to work off their back foot. That's not a bit of gem advice. That's pretty much everyone. If I'm forcing you to work off your back foot, it's more tiring. You're more uncomfortable. You lack power in your punches. But that's the kind of guy Bolanos is. If he's the one pushing forward here for long periods of time and forcing McGee to back up, maybe get tired, that's a way where you can see this fight you know, going over in Bolanos' favor. We mentioned before, McGee has never won a fight by decision. Could there be a chance that McGee begins to slow down second half of the fight? And again, Bolanos, tons of stamina, very good gas tank. All of a sudden, it's just the pace. Not him finishing McGee, just putting so much pace on him and a lot of volume. For McGee, he exploded on the UFC scene last year, early last year, with a round two submission win over Journey, Journey Newsom. I remember the fight because I picked Journey Newsom to win, and McGee came out there like, yo, Y'all thought I wasn't ready. I'm ready. Finished it with a submission. Now, we had the pleasure of interviewing Mr. McGee after that fight. Like I said, a few days later after the fight, it's almost impossible to not realize right away when you talk to him that he's all put together, appreciates things. He's hungry, thirsty, has a sense of urgency and a quiet, calm confidence about what he's doing. Not the kind of confidence where he's beating his chest and saying, look at me. The kind of confidence has been built over the fact that he's been on earth for 31 years and recognizes right now, I have the opportunity of a lifetime. I want to make the most of it. Now, I believe a guy like him, eight wins, seven were by TKO or knockout and one by submission. He also recognizes the importance of finishing fights. He won't give this guy Bolanos much time. At some point, McGee goes for it. Now, he's going to either finish this guy Bolanos or get finished himself in the process. The only blemish on McGee's record was a round one submission loss to Rafael Dos Nascimento in 2022. So he has been taken down before. He has been finished. I don't see Bolanos as the kind of guy who's going to submit him. And the ground game for McGee is getting any better based upon my conversation with him about his training. I think McGee right here is at a great price for a parlay piece. I love him in this spot. Either way, I'm biased. <laughs> so maybe you don't want to listen to my breakdown of this fight because he's a guy that, again, from a personal level, you, know, you get that connection with some people you interview with, and he's that kind of guy where... Oh, by the way, you should follow McGee on Instagram uh, and social media in general. He does a cooking podcast. And yeah, this guy is very well-rounded. He's just a person who, by his own admission, kind of a rough beginning of his life and was a bit of a badass as a kid. And you know he's evolved into the best version of himself, which is good to see. Some big spots here to consider. The fight does not go the full distance. It's minus 280. That covers you if McGee makes a mistake, gets overwhelmed, gets tired, maybe gets too, you know, too emotional. We all make that mistake. Or it also covers you if McGee goes in there and just lays the hammer on this guy, right? McGee is a parlay piece. I like that as well. That's currently sitting at minus 225. And then McGee just to win out straight outright as a, as a potential prop lock here. Again, minus 225. So give me McGee to win the fight by round two knockout. That's my thoughts. In the comment section, what do you guys think about this fight here? 
I'm going to read some uh, comments here. All right. Uh, going back up here. All right. Antoine chimed in here. The first comment about this. He says, that's fire for Marcus McGee. Yeah. Yeah. My man, my man is, listen, he's blazing. He's on hot right now. Zeno Grant writes in and he says, shit, I'll be biased with you. I'm a Marcus McGee fan. Gas in the chin gets tapped Saturday or yeah. Or yeah. Point is, Zeno says that Marcus is going to touch him up right up in the grill area. Going to knock this fool out. Look, Gaston is not a pushover. He's definitely a formidable fighter. You could even argue maybe that this is the toughest fight of Marcus McGee's career. But McGee's got, you know, McGee's got that thing, man. He's got that thing. Tome Miggins writes in. He says, McGee, by round two or round three submission, I like your style. If you're looking at for for McGee just inside the distance, that could be a spot to consider. Antoine, I'm sorry, I keep calling Anthony Antoine. Anthony W, my man AW says, FanDuel is so slow at lines. Have no idea what the finished prop line is for McGee. Props juice. Okay, let me tell you what it is. I'm going to look it up right now. Give me a second, guys. The finishing props for uh, for McGee. Let me see that real quick. All right, McGee, McGee, McGee. So McGee winning method. Okay, so for McGee to win by submission, anytime submission is plus 300. For McGee to win by a knockout is plus 175. For McGee to win by any type of form of a finish or DQ or whatever, right, is minus 110. That makes sense to me. So the market's telling you right now that any kind of knockout, submission, or disqualification for McGee is going to be minus 110 odds. And I agree. That's even money. And I think he's good enough to get that damn thing done. Right? And he says, I can't decide KO or sub, but I see KO. Yeah, I... I he had a submission in his last fight, but look at his his resume, right? The resume of McGee, if I, I'm wrong. If I'm wrong, you can tell me. But of his eight wins, I believe seven are by knockout, and the last one was by submission. So ultimately, his 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 submission ability is evolving. His BJJ skills are evolving, but you know clearly he can he can drop the hammer on somebody, right? I hope so, Anthony. Anthony writes in that McGee's gonna blast him. I, I hope so, dude. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, now, Anthony, you should admit to people here, you reached out to him recently because over the holidays, Anthony reached out to me and said that he wanted to get a hold of Marcus McGee. And because I've been so tied up with my move, Anthony went, took it upon himself, reached out to McGee, and, and he was able to get a response from him. So you know this guy, you know, he's he's diligent about his social media responsibilities. He's, he's a responsible father, a parent, and a guy who's appreciating every opportunity, right? LPS writes in, I wonder what fight ends in knockout. Ooh. I'll give a rundown at the end of the, of the broadcast here tonight of all the fights in terms of how I see them ending, but uh, there will be some knockouts. Like, for example, the um, the Phil Hawes fight, that is going to end by knockout. Someone is going to – bodies will hit the floor in that fight. I hope I didn't just jinx it. Sancho Bermuda writes in here, Marcus McGee and Mario Bautista could be an MMA lab parlay, but I can, pu- but I can pull the trigger against Ricky Simone. I believe you meant I can't, right? So, yeah, Ricky Simone's also a guy I have a soft spot for because I followed his career for a little while, and I love his background and family and stuff. And I never interviewed him, but just I like, I've had, to, I've had, I've had talks with people that know him well, his training partners, things like that. I've, I've got to appreciate him from a distance. But uh, yeah, I like Mario Bautista in that fight, which we'll get there in a little bit. Antoine Willis writes in: Do you think Marcus can chase gold at 33, Manny? I think he's in the prime right now. 
it's unlikely that he gets there, Antoine, because of just time. Like, you know, if we start factoring in a setback loss, that shit happens. Uh, an injury, those things happen. Um, uh, no contest. Look at Leon Edwards, right? There was a time when people were like, oh, this guy just got all the bad luck and he's good enough, but not getting the shots. And, and I recall when Leon Edwards, by the way, we all remember this, is he got cracked by Nate Diaz. And Nate Diaz decided to dance around and be like, oh, I got you. I got you. And do all the extra shit. And ultimately, you know, it was for not because I think Nate Diaz probably could have finished him in that fight, right? And so, I mean, look, all I'm saying is this. If you're this age, you're late in the game, you leave yourself no room for error. So, of course, I want to see Marcus McGee do it. But just from a mathematical standpoint, Antoine, it's probably not going to happen. There's going to be the injury. There's going to be a setback. There's going to be politics in the rankings. He'll turn around in three or four years now and be 36, 37. And then it's like, now you have no room for error. You need the perfect fight set up. You got to take a fight last minute as an older fighter and cut weight and it's just so on and so forth. So my mixed martial arts wet dream would have this guy at some point chasing gold or, or contending as a top contender. It's just going to have to be the perfect scenario. That's what I'm saying. They are very big boys and that's a good point. That's what I mentioned before Sancho was that cutting weight and my man McGee is a thick dude at this weight class. That's going to only get tougher as he gets a little bit older. You know what I'm saying? Uh, back to Antoine, though, I do agree. McGee is kind of in his prime. Age-wise, he is. You know what I mean? Um, I'm watching the weigh-in show tomorrow. Sancho Bermuda writes in. I I'm definitely watching it. If I don't watch it live, I'll be watching some recording of it because I have a show tomorrow with the, the lovely um, Monique for our Friday show, which is called MMA Happy Hour. And also, it's just some more, more unpacking to do at my house. So I will be kind of tied up with that. But yes, Bermuda, I do plan to catch some of that all right guys on that note again we're on mcgee to win the fight by round two knockout let me take a brief very brief intermission guys i'll pop some tunes on for us and then we're going to get ready for the matthew Semmelsberger versus preston parsons fight um that's a fight that uh man let me tell you something when i first saw the names right when i saw, saw the names i'm like you know i think i'm gonna lean towards matthew and the next thing you know you start peeling back some layers of the onions and then and, oh man uh you know, and just, it's it's like, look, I don't have as much confidence as I thought I was going to have in Matthew. <laughs> and now my confidence is, is, is weighing even more. So I'll be back with you guys in not even two, three minutes. I'm going to grab a drink from the kitchen, say hello to the people in the house, that type of thing. And then I'll be right back. So in the meantime, enjoy a few tunes and I will see you guys in just a minute.
wanna say they hate, but they know it's cap. I ain't playing no games. I just do that fast, and I don't feel no shame. It's a mood you lack. I go crazy. Nah, bitch, I ain't lazy. Track after track, I work on the shit daily. Pass me the jack, right? This fuel got me hazy. About to unpack all these things I've been chasing. I've got visions in my head, like memories I forget. To be a legend instead of something you can forget. I'm living up every breath. I'd rather leave than be led. I'll fill the seats as I spread with every word that I said. Try to pick one thought, have some concentration, and if I make a mistake, it's called education. I try to do this every day, call it replication. Wake up, today's gonna be a good day. 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 Greatness do my best, man. I'll take it. Wake up, today's gonna be a good day. 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 I'm back, boys and gals. How are you? 
Hey, took a little brief intermission there. We're just going to do a little intermission. Wet the palate. Just about done with the prelim card. So last two fights in the prelim card, Matthew Semmelsberger, who goes by Semi the Jedi, up against Preston Parsons. And Preston's goes by, Preston goes by, excuse me, Preston Pressure Parsons. Triple, triple three threat. Triple three threat. <laughs> My apologies. That's probably the wine talking. All right. So now's a good time to remind you guys to subscribe to our newsletter. Run through Substack. A free version and a paid version. The paid version is more of our come support the channel, support our content. Five bucks a month or whatever else gives you a little more content than the the free subscribers. But either way, free or paid, we love you both. Okay, let's talk details. Premium card fight, welterweight bout, 170 pounders. Matthew Semmelsberger, some of the Jedi against Preston Parsons. And uh, let me give you my just general thoughts on this fight. I'm not going to read to you the notes here, which are available on our newsletter. But general thoughts is this. Actually, before I get into that, let me tell you how I see the fight going down, right? I like Preston Pressure Parsons by round two submission. That's currently plus 1,000 odds. Now, Semmelsberger and Parsons combined. Little stat toy for you guys. They're two and five in their last seven fights. There's nothing about what they've been doing recently that lends you to be like either guy should give you much confidence from a betting perspective or rooting perspective or any perspective. They're both struggling. They do have a lot in common, though. They fought about the same amount of fights, very similar in age. They're trying to get back on track. The biggest statistical difference between these two guys is their takedown numbers. And this is why I'm arguing for the side of Parsons. I'm the prosecutor or lawyer, the judge. I believe Parsons, who averages 3.11 takedowns per fight compared to 1.02 takedowns per fight, can find an advantage in the wrestling department. And second, Your Honor, I believe that Parsons, who has 100% takedown defense, will outperform the wrestling attempts from Semmelsberger, who also has 50% takedown defense, half the rate of takedown defense. On a serious note, if in theory, and fights are not won in theory, fights are won in the cage, and they're won by grown-ass men and women who are going for it. But if you were to put the math to the test here, obviously Parsons averaging three times the amount of takedowns with 100% takedown defense. He likes to get on the ground. A lot of submissions early in his career. If he were, if he were to bring the fight to the ground and force Matthew Semmelsberger to wrestle with him a little bit, and Semmelsberger was on his back for some good period of time or defending takedowns and having a hard time with it, that to me is the window. Now, if you're look if you're looking at Semmelsberger, you're saying, oh, well, wait a second, he's gonna knock this guy out. I'll get to that in a second. If we're just talking about a way for Parsons to win, that's the way. Get the fight down. Exhaust Semmelsberger, who at times, the former college multiple sport athlete, I, th- I believe he played safety or quarterback at was it Merrimack up in upstate New York. He's a guy who's a former football player. Much respect to this guy. But if it were to get out of hand for Semmelsberger, it would be because he's getting rest to the ground, exhausted, and then eventually kind of gave up points, giving up rounds. Now, if a finish were to occur, though, 
Semmelsberger by knockout or Parsons by submission to me makes the most sense. So if you had two paths to choose here, flip a coin. Either Semmelsberger knocks out this dude, Parsons, who has been rocked before, or Semmelsberger gets submitted. Nine of Parsons' 10 wins are by, you guessed it, submission. Almost half of Semmelsberger's wins are by TKO. So the likely path to victory for Semmelsberger, easiest path for him, knock that mofo out. For my man Parsons, submissions. He has about five or six rear naked chokes. I mean, one of the easiest forms of submitting somebody, a lot easier than like an arm bar or a triangle choke, right? So a decision, by the way, I want to say this, it's not out of the realm of possibility because these guys are so evenly matched that I could see them getting a little tired and sort of a stalemate, like those heavyweight fights that you believe someone's going to knock somebody out, right? Next, you know, they get tired and it just gets slows down and it slows down. And there we go. They are evenly matched again. That's why I believe it could lead to a possible later round, you know, finish or decision. This fight for me was the first of two very hard fights to pick on this fight card. In terms of finding a prediction of the method and the winner, this fight gave me some headaches. And it ultimately led me to go with Parsons, even though I started the process thinking that I thought Semmelsberger was the you know, household name, the one people know about more, has fought in the UFC more. But man, Semmelsberger's on the slide. And a matter of fact, if you go and look at Semmelsberger's topology, you'll see like one in three in his last four, you know, shit happens, but it, it doesn't leave you with much confidence, right? Some betting spots here. The fight does not go the distance. It's minus 200. Parsons on the money line at plus 110. Parsons by submission at plus 300. And Semmelsberger by knockout, which is plus 150. Sometime the prop, sometimes the prop bets give us clues. Semmelsberger by knockout is plus 150. Damn near a pick and price. Why would that be? Well, look at some film on Semmelsberger. My man throws hands, and he gets a good punch. He's tall. He's big. He's long for the division. He, he brings some power. His striking is actually pretty good. So if he were to knock out Parsons, hey, I ain't going to cry wolf. You know, I can see it happening. But my pick again is going to be Parsons, who now is at plus 105. I mentioned plus 110 odds for him. He's now plus 105, which is really not an underdog. It's just a pick and price. But he's technically the dog here compared to Semmelsberger. Be Parsons to win the fight by a round to submission, which is plus 1,000. 10 bucks to make 100 bucks. Ugh, I love those kind of bets. Okay, let's move on, guys. Keep it moving here. Next fight on the fight card is the last fight on the prelim card. Andre Arlovsky. If you're in the comment section, guys, keep commenting. Keep the conversation going. I'll jump in there in a second. Just want to make sure we keep things moving because a one-hour show is now going to be turning into like a two-hour show, basically, right? Okay. Uh, let me share that tab. All right. So next fight in the card is Andre Arlovsky, the ageless wonder versus Waldo Cortez Acosta. Headweight clash. These are the big boys. And of course, Andre Arlovsky you can't do a breakdown of any of his recent fights without talking about the fact he's been around for a quarter of a century. Yeah, 25 damn years these guys been fighting. He started his pro fighting career when Bill Clinton, former U.S. president, was in his second term in the White House. That seems like forever ago for me. Like, basically for me, I was, like, going into college, like, my first few years, undergraduate, and this guy, Orlovsky, was starting his pro career. Did you know type of stuff, right? 
So anyway, they're side by side here. Arlovsky, who goes by the Pitbull, 34 and 22 overall, three and two in his last five out of Belarusia, now based out of Chicago, Illinois, 44 years old in 11 months. So about to be 45 years old, six foot three in height, has a wonderful build. This guy keeps himself in great shape. He's not a fat heavyweight, but a 77 inch reach. Now, as for our other side of the fence here, Waldo Cortez Acosta goes by Salsa Boy. If you guys don't know what the reference is, Ocasta being Hispanic, Latin American, maybe even, oh, he's from Dominican Republic. There you go. I'm from Puerto Rico. He's from DR. And so, yeah, salsa is big in that part of the country. It's a form of Latin dancing. It's a beautiful thing to watch. And the women are gorgeous. Anyway, <laughs> got off track. Mr. Salsa Boy, 10-1 overall. Nice start to his pro career. Much less experience than the, you know, 56 or some odd fights that Mr. Arlovsky has been in. But Costa's on fire. 4-1 his last five. Big favorite here, now based out of Arizona. 32 years old, so roughly 13 years younger than Arlovsky. And look, you could say, oh, heavyweights, you know, 40s, 39, whatever, they, they could fight longer. Arlovsky is about to be 45. <laughs> we got to call a spade a spade. Okay, we can't, can't pretend like this guy is going to just, like, keep fighting forever. At some point, Arlovsky, I believe, you know, is going to fall off the cliff. And I could argue this might be the fight. This this very well could be the fight where we see either maybe Arlovsky's last fight or the last of his few fights. 6'4 for Ocasta, slightly taller than Arlovsky. And again, one inch reach there for Ocasta as well. But that's not where the fight will be won and lost. Nope, not there. Not there. It's going to come down to just good old-fashioned youth and speed. Ocasta, who at times has looked like he's not meeting his full potential. He's still obviously young. Super fast hands for a heavyweight. Lightning fast speed compared to whatever Arlovsky will do. Now, if you like Arlovsky to win the fight, it's going to happen one of two ways. Here we go. One of two ways. Either he catches Ocasta in round one with a crazy overhand, like duck your head overhand right. Arlovsky's an orthodox fighter, and so is Ocasta. So a heavy overhand right lands. Ocasta breaks him, and Arlovsky raises his hand, turns the clock back. Secondly, Arlovsky makes this this shit so ugly and dirty, dirty boxing, grabbing against the cage. You know, maybe he fakes a, a nut shot or two. Maybe he gets a point, you know, given in his favor, and just drags this thing out. And you're just like, I don't know which rounds he won or lost. I can see that happening too. So there's two ways that Arlovsky could win, but the math tells you, like your brain tells you, he's too old. He has slowed down. You see him in recent fights. The reaction time, it doesn't get better when you're 45 <laughs> compared to 35. It doesn't, you know, I can use a lot of examples of this. But the point is this. You're not getting more athletic at that age. So in the case of Arlovsky, we're seeing the telltale signs of a guy who is aging. His durability is now waning. His cardio is not as good. And once again, who am I to judge this guy? He's 45 damn years old. He's fought for a quarter of a century, 25 years, tons of fights, has fought Fedor Emelianenko, has fought uh, Francis Ngannou, has fought guys like, the list goes on and on. He has fought some of the best of the best in the business. He's held his own. He's been a championship contender. He used to be a strike force. I mean, we could just go on. This conversation could be gone forever. The point is this. If Andre Olaski wants to keep fighting, he can do whatever the hell he wants to do. Over here, my 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 hobby, my entertainment for the audience is to tell you guys what I think is happening. 
he's 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 fading. It's just natural. I also believe, and I, forgive me for saying so, if you're hearing this, Arlovsky or your camp, I believe the motivation now to fight is more about cashing a few checks. He does get paid very well because of the way his contract works. He's an old timer. He's getting good money. The heavyweight division is kind of thin. UFC could still use a body like him, so he's getting fights. He fights two, maybe three times a year. So he's also active, you know. But I think he's fighting more for paychecks than to try to win fights. And when you watch the way he gets submitted, like in round one by Lima, a rear naked choke, and he tapped out. I mean, in my opinion, you can watch the film. He appeared to tap out before that choke really got in. Like, so maybe his mentality now is. I'll get a few more paychecks, legacy money, my family, my kids, my kids, kids, aunts and uncles, whatever. But I'm not going to really expose myself to too much damage. This fight probably plays out this way. Early on, you see Orlovsky doing a few things. <laughs> then his feet will get start getting slower. He'll get tired. And you're going to see Costa, oh, Costa, I'm sorry, lightning fast hands at jab range is going to be tearing apart Orlovsky. And at some point in round two, I think that he puts enough pressure and volume. It's a big one on Arlovsky where Arlovsky just sort of takes a knee and it's a TKO, but it's like a, yeah, I'm good. I'm not trying to get cut tonight. I want to go home safely. I'm 45. I don't want no, CT, uh, no CTE. And so, yeah, we got one guy who's on the way out of a legendary career in Arlovsky who deserves to be praised and respected. This is his retirement tour. And Ocasta, a young heavyweight, a lot to prove. Needs to pressure the pace. Needs to finish here. If if Acosta were to win this fight by decision, that's an L. If he loses, triple L. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So give me Acosta. I like him to win the fight. I like him to win the fight by a round two knockout. And once again, much love to a guy like Arlovsky who's fought Steve Miocic, Francis Naganu, Tom Aspinall, Fedor Milenko. He's fought the best of the best. Same time, he got knocked out by Dontel Mays six months ago and got submitted by Marcos Lima just over a year ago. He's a guy who's obviously on the way out. So, again, we're going to go with Ocasta. Salsa boy to win by round two knockout. That's plus 300. And Andre Olofsky, if it's your last fight, dude, going to miss you. You're in that same category of those legends, from the people that built this sport, man. That's You belong on that R Mount Rushmore of people that built this sport. So thank you for your sacrifices, for being a great fighter for the fans, for, for being a, a guy who's response, responsible for the way he acted in and out of the cage. And so blessings to Arlovsky, his people, whatever he does after this fight. But yes, I believe he comes up short here, and I'm going to go with Acosta. That takes us, guys, to the main card. Let me go ahead here and pick up the first fight, the main card. Phil Hawes versus Bruno Ferreira. And here's a fight where... Once again, kind of found myself initially jumping in when it first when I first saw it. I'm thinking, oh, you know, I like Hill, I like Hawes here. I like Hawes. I like I like his style. I like his aggressiveness, athletic. You know, all the things you could possibly might like about a guy. He's got those qualities, right? And then you pull up his his recent tapology, and you're like, oh no. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, so let this marinate for a second, guys. Phil Hawes, the chin is gone. It's gone. There's no chin left. You just like this. Blow on Phil Hawes. I like a light bulb. Out.
I'll be right back, but let's just marinate for a second. Phil Hawes has no... It made me sick. I said fast school and it made me rich. We did so crack on the 80s thing. The jinx on us and they pray we slip. Said fast school and I broke the law. Told little bro go stay in school. Telling the kids this shit ain't cool. Fuck, I'm so hypocritical. Fuck, I just missed the cool. My bros in the field, no bullying pools. So cocaine, I'm molly and all. Told, told mom Z, don't worry at all. Step in a bando, honey, I'm home. The local fees don't vouch, you won't get served. The cat's unknown. I don't owe no, I made money alone. That fees, they curved the kid back then when I weren't so lit. Now I'm lit, they're pissed. Told bro, bro. Now you gotta take it slow, but he knows crime pay, so he won't go ledge. We're three for three now, six for six. Put in the work for years for this. This ain't no coincidence. I did have to take them trips. Could have been in a bin if it weren't for the gloves that I had when I wrapped that wrist. That kid got nicked on an amateur thing, got banged that cling, take precaution. If you need a risk we took to get paid, you wouldn't look at me the same. My bro got the wickedest aim. We're bringing the blicky on stage. They're hating, I'm really unfazed. Ha <laughs> ha, don't test my patience. Half, half of the hood, they show man love is paid that the rest are hating. Now, now got gal all around. Stole my wife from the west, my favorite. These cats are domesticated. Jason the station investigating. That bees, they curved the kid back then when I weren't so lit. Now I'm lit, they're pissed. Told bro, bro, that you gotta take it slow, but he knows crime pay, so he won't go lit. We're three for three now, six for six. Put in the work for years for this. This ain't no coincidence. I did have to take them trips. That bees, they curved the kid back then when I weren't so lit. Now I'm lit, they're pissed. Told bro, bro, that you gotta take it slow, but he knows crime pay, so he won't go lit. We're three for three now, six for six. Put in the work for years for this. This ain't no coincidence. I did have to take them trips. property we're damn good too but you can't be any geek off the street you gotta be handy with the steel if you know what i mean earn you keep regulators mount up it was a clear black night a clear white moon warmer g was on the streets trying to consume some search for the e so i could get some phones rolling in my ride chilling all alone just hit the east side of the lbc on a mission trying to find mr warren g seen a car full of girls ain't no need to tweak all of you search know what's up with 213 so i hooked select on 21 and lewis some brothers shooting dice so i said let's do this i jumped out the rock and said what's up some brothers pulled some gas so i said i'm stuck these girls peeping me i'm gonna glide and swerve these hookers looking so hard they straight hit the curve want to pick a better thing than some horny tricks I see my homie and some suckers all in his mix I'm getting jacked I'm breaking myself I can't believe they taking Warren's wealth they took my rings they took my Rolex I looked at the brother said damn what's next they got my homie hemmed up and they all around can't none of them see him if they going straight down for pound they wanna come up real quick before they start to clown I best pull out my strap and lay them busters down they got guns to my head I think I'm going down I can't all right, boys and gals, I am back. And uh, those who've hung out with us for the last hour or so, thank you. Sancho, Bermuda, Zeno Gray, of course, AW, number one fan for MA Fight Club 2023, Antoine Willis, my brother. Thank you guys. LPS, 
Appreciate you guys very much. Appreciate you guys stopping by, even if it's for two minutes, three minutes. Tell Megan's up in the house. PSSA31. Thank you, thank you, and thank you. So keeping the conversation going, trying to break through this UFC Vegas 84 card and giving you my thoughts on on these fights. Your feedback is is always welcome. <clears throat> so if you're here, drop the knowledge on me. I appreciate it. This will be the first fight on the main card for UFC Fight Night on Kalaev versus Walker. And a fight where, admittedly, I went in thinking, oh, you know, I think Phil Hawes is too athletic, has far better competition, and probably just extends Bruno to a place where he's not ready to go. And then you look at the resumes and the recent fights, and you start to realize, well, wait a second, this is by no means a slam dunk for either guy. <laughs> That's important to note. The line is correct. Pick and price tags. Phil Hawes plus 110. Ferrer minus 130. I could argue it should be the other way, but either way, this fight should be around a pick him. So priced accordingly. My prediction is Bruno the Hulk Ferreira to win by round one knockout at plus 165 odds. They're side by side. Ferreira is 10 and 1. Impressive. 4 1 his last five. Coming off of a loss, though, his first loss, and he got clapped. First time he got clapped. From Brazil, 31 years old, 5'10 with a 72-inch reach. As for Phil, no hype pause. <laughs> you know, sometimes your 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 moniker or your nickname can be the worst of you because Phil Hawes right now could use some hype. There is no hype <laughs> on Phil Hawes, and I mean this with all due respect, but he's like he should go by Phil the anti-hype right now. That wasn't funny. <laughs> so 12 and 5 for Hawes, 2 and 3 in his last five, based out of Little Ferry, New Jersey, in terms of you know his his roots. I'm not sure if he's there anymore. Yeah, he can't be there. He's at Killcliffe now in uh, Florida training. 35 years old, 31 for his opponent Ferreira. Age-wise, not much of a factor. Phil Hawes listed at six foot. <clears throat> I think it's very generous. I believe Phil Hawes is probably around the same height as Ferreira. And then reach-wise, Phil does have very long arms, about a five, five-and-a-half reach advantage over Bruno Ferreira. Okay, my notes here. And I hear any of my notes. You know why? Because I have a lot to say about this fight. I want to make sure I'm on point with you guys. So Hawes has been knocked out in the first round of three of his last four fights. Obviously, he lost three of his last four, but he got knocked out in the first round of three of his last four fights. After starting his UFC career 3-0, and zero, it's obviously kind of gotten off the rails. Before he got flatlined by Chris Curtis in 2021, which is now three years ago, he was on a seven-fight winning streak. Wins over Malcoon, Ibovoff, Kyle Dalkus. Since then, though, he only has one win over Darren Wynn. If you don't know who Darren Wynn is, that's a very undersized, smaller guy. I recall the fight like it was yesterday, and Phil Hawes dominated him. Looked amazing. And sometimes fights like that will mess with your head because you're like, oh, look how good Phil Hawes can be. And I would actually still argue the best version of Phil Hawes, like the like the perfect game plan here, he could win this fight. He definitely win the fight. He could knock out Ferreira. 
possibly submit him, out wrestle him. There's multiple ways for him to win the fight. So I don't want it to sound like I don't believe that Hawes can win. I just have to underscore the, the the reality that he doesn't have a quality win anytime in recent history. He's being knocked out in the first round. Right. Now Hawes again, you know, he can win this fight. We we think there's possible ways he can pull it off, but can he take one punch? Not a punch to the shoulder or the body or the chest or a kick. I'm talking, can he take a punch to the face? I don't know that he can. If Ferreira lands anything significant, I believe Hawes will literally just crumble. Like just boom, fall to the ground. Hawes has been finished in each of his five losses. So imagine this. Here's a guy who's only got five defeats, right? Knocked out four times, submitted once. That's the definition of durability issues. It's the definition of someone who can't lose by decision because when they lose, they get finished. I believe if Phil Hawes wins this fight, he could finish the guy or win by decision. But if Phil Hawes, lo- Phil Hawes loses, by the way, it's going to be him getting finished, right? Until I see Phil Hawes put together like three, four fights in a row where he's not getting finished, knocked out specifically, there's just no way I have I can get behind him. Even if I think he can win the fight here, which he could, the risk factor is absurd. If I could put this into a mathematical equation, the variance here on Phil Hawes, extreme. Extreme. Like it's there's no way it's it's off the charts. He's a boom or bust stock. If I'm talking now financial terms, it's the one that's like full risk. Like you're hearing some insider stuff that it's a long shot. They might be on bankruptcy, but you're hearing some other stuff about China buying them out. You put like you put some small amount of investment there and you hope in the next 30, 60 days, you see some kind of positive news, not a return, just positive news. You're buying low, selling high, right? In the case of Phil Hawes, I don't like, I'm going to put this out there. I guarantee you this, that Phil Hawes will be knocked out in his next three fights. This fight included. So not if it's not this fight, not next fight, the one after. In his next three fights, he'll get knocked out. It's going to happen within the first round or first half of the second round because that's what happens to Phil Hawes. That's how he loses fights. So if I'm betting against Phil Hawes, like I'm going to do this with this fight, I'm betting he's going to get knocked out. Probably early. I'll do it for next fight too and the following fight. I don't, I'm not suggesting Phil Hawes lacks, lacks heart or desire to win. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, like, genetically, what, however you want to calculate it, he is prone to getting knocked the fuck out. <laughs> Just how it works. And so I'm not comparing that to effort or him trying to win or his coaching or his desire to none of these things no it's just that when he gets hit in the face he crumbles like for example guys like Benoit Santini not so much (laughs) you can hit Benoit in the face with a bat he's gonna still square back up with you other guys you you know you touch him with you know the wrong punch wrong angle they're they're gone they're folding up like Paul Craig, for example, Paul Craig, amazing jiu-jitsu guy. He's always getting dazed in fights. <laughs> he's always getting rocked. He just he's not about that life. Not because they're not trying. Anyway, 
kind of beating a dead horse there about Phil Hawes. But for me, until he could actually put some, you know, fights together where he's actually not getting knocked around and, and dazed or knocked out, I just I'm off that bandwagon. <clears throat> As for Ferreira, so I took all that shit on uh, <laughs> Hawes, right? I'm like, oh, Hawes, this Hawes, that. Well, Ferreira also got knocked out in the first round of his last fight. <laughs> so funny, right? So last fight, Ferrer goes in with a perfect 10-0 and zero record. All 10 wins by finish. And then Nursultan Ruzabayev, a guy who's not known for like his finish rate. Or maybe he was, and I kind of... Maybe he was, and I just kind of confused him with someone else. But anyway, this guy, Ruzabayev, whatever, some kazakh uzbek forgive me for my 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 international geographical ignorance from that region he came in there and put a stop on all that only did he serve up for his first loss he knocked his ass out in the first round and i think it's important to say this some fighters are never the same after they knocked out that first time now all fighters like for example justin gaethje He's, you know, he gets knocked out. He's like, boom, I'm back, you know, uh, or a Mike Perry or, you know, guys like that, you know, that are just built from something different, right? In the case of everyone else, the first time you get knocked out, like you get that cherry popped, it can be like, it just could be a, a career changing experience. Like you just, you just, that, that one crazy thing in your mind where it's like, I'm invincible. It just gets affected. I'm not talking about the gushing CTE thing. I'm talking like no one can knock me out. And then you get knocked out and you get woken up on the canvas and you're like, well, that feeling is too foreign for me. I don't want that feeling anymore. I can't fight with that level of confidence anymore because I'm now scared. That's a real thing. In the case of Bruno Ferreira, he just experienced that. He got knocked out for the first time. He was 10 and 0. Finishing everyone, predominantly by knockout. You know, that that truth serum, when you get woken up, like, is real. And you're like, whoa, wait a second. Actually, uh, I'm mortal. I, I, I can be killed. I can be dropped. I can be, you know, I cannot win at times. That could, that could happen to me. The sooner you get that reality as a fighter, it's actually the better because you can move on from it and sort of evolve. But some guys... It happens and are never the same. So if I have one big issue with Ferrer getting knocked out in the first round of his last fight, it's that. It never happened before. He was invincible, riding high, and all of a sudden, boom. Perfect record's gone. A guy who's not known for finishing knocks him out. You know, so that's my only issue there. That's my only issue with him. Because otherwise, Bruno Ferrer, this guy's dangerous, man. And now I guess you could say, if you're on the Ferrer bandwagon, you could say, well, he's he's like a, he's a finish or be finished kind of guy. Which okay, I like that. Hawes has durability issues. Feed me, give me the knowledge. How do I find the right prop here? One guy has no chin. Other guy just got the chin broken, right? Not literally, but like figuratively. So what do we find our props? Pretty simple, right? They both got dismantled in the last fight. Like, dismantled, like, boom, broken down. I would say one more thing before I give you my prop bets here. 
confidence plays a big part in an athlete's mentality. It's not just fighting confidence. It's basketball, volleyball, maybe you played baseball, maybe you were a swimmer, maybe, listen, dancer, whatever you were doing competitively, athletically, confidence is such a big part of your potential outcome, your performance, the result of what you're putting in. I don't know many athletes who will tell you, I was not confident and thus I was able to succeed. Uh, The biggest thing for me was I didn't believe in myself and that's why I was able to overcome no, it's it's usually the opposite. Like I believed in myself. I had a coach who believed in me. I had uh, my parents or like Tom Brady's story of when he thought he was going to be undrafted. He's like, I don't want to be an insurance salesman. You know, whatever the case may be, like, you know, it's the opposite of those things that drives you. I did have good coaches. I had people believe in me. I, I was I was scared of poverty, whatever. You find those those cherries, those cornerstones of your foundation of how you believe in yourself. If you get knocked out left and right, like Hawes has been knocked out, Phil Hawes, your confidence is shattered. You're not going to fight scared. You're going to be more conservative. Your coaches will inadvertently think, hey, Phil, please, Phil, just don't, don't, don't get into a, a war, you know? Guys like, again, same, same guy, Benoit Saint-Denis. He's like, listen, get in the war. Create a war. Make this shit ugly, dude. Justin Gaethje. Make it ugly. Because their coaches will tell them, I believe you will come out on top in an ugly fight. I believe if it's a bar fight, you're going to win that exchange. Other guys, not so much. (laughs) Phil Hawes, not so much. He's at a good gym. If I'm coaching Phil Hawes, I'm telling him, let's try to stay calm and pick our shots. Head movement is critical get a takedown just let's not just stand there and trade though because as a coach you know like this dude's got a weak chin that mentality though he's a grown-ass man he knows he's been knocked out three times in his last four four fights whatever will force him to fight conservative that's a losing mentality it's going to be a losing strategy he'll get taken advantage of and probably gets knocked out either way (laughs) while trying to be safe it's not funny it's just real to me here in this fight, the fighter that tries to be more careful and measured will lose. <clears throat> it could be Ferreira. I told you before. That dude got knocked out for the first time. Maybe Ferreira comes out and he's the one who's kind of shook. And Phil Hawes will <coughs> sort of set the pace. Back him up. Maybe not knock him out right away, but push the tempo. Take him down. And then somebody makes a mistake at some point between late you know, round number two or some point, <coughs> excuse me, gets knocked out. Here's a prop that's like for this fight. Under 1.5 rounds, minus 250 odds. The fight does not go to the full distance. <coughs> excuse me, my goodness. The fight does not start round three, I'm sorry. Minus 400. The fight ends by knockout, minus 400. And Ferrer by knockout, plus 125. So again, under 1.5 rounds, minus 250. The fight does not start round number three, minus 400. The fight, does, the fight ends by knockout, minus 400. And Ferrer by knockout, at plus 125. The prop lock here is the fight does not begin round number three at minus 400. And so, again, we're going to go with 
Bruno the Hulk Ferrer by round one knockout. I believe he will actually touch the chin of Hawes, thus ending Hawes. And uh, unfortunately, yeah, I think at that point, setting Hawes to a situation where it's it's getting urgent now, right? Like you can't you can't keep getting knocked out. At some point, it's just really bad for your health, and I just I worry about that kind of situation for these guys. Okay, some comments real quickly from you guys. Some comments. Um, Zeno says here, I grew up in D.C., living in Maryland now, and Matthew Semmelsberger has power. I got to pick Semi. Respect the game, my man. Respect the game. Respect the knowledge, right? So he's from your neck of the woods. I like it. Sancho Bermuda says here, Salsa boy, the former baseball player. Did he play catcher? I don't know if he played catcher, Sancho. I believe he was a pitcher. I believe he was a pitcher. And uh, and then somehow he got into a fight, right? Got into like a, a bar fight or something or whatever. I don't know. He was playing like basically like working his way up the baseball ladder, I guess. And then ultimately just, yeah, got a little trouble. Things happen. First main card of 2024, Sancho Bermuda. Let's go. Let's go. I agree with you, my man. As you know, Gray writes in here, Hawes with a chin is a top five middleweight. I got Bruno Sally. So you just brought up something that's important. Like let's let's talk about this. Like literally, what you just said is 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 kind of genius. I completely agree with you. If if for example, Hawes could take a punch, like let's just like chin transplant. Like give Justin Gaethje's chin to Phil Hawes. That guy's top top ten right now. Top seven, maybe top eight. He's that good. He's so athletic, built like cut out of a mold. But he can't take a damn punch. It's real life, and I'm not saying it's. Listen, it. The inability to take a punch in the fight game with these killers, that's not an insult to your manhood. Like, Phil Hall is probably going to take a punch from me. <laughs> you know, my, my old ass. If I punched him in the face, he would shake it off and whoop my ass, right? But he's taking punches from, like, some of the elite guys in the business. And not everyone has a chin like that. <clears throat> it's just, It just is what it is, right? So, yeah, man, great, great question, or great point there, as you know, Gray. You're right. He'd be, he be like, up there, man. He's got the skills. Just can't take a punch. Yeah, Anthony writes in. I feel that Zeno. I, I, yeah, we both concur. LPS writes in. This is a who gets chin fight. LOL. That was my thinking. LPS. Someone gets knocked out. Is probably how this works out, right? Yeah, Neurlston is a beast, though. Anthony writes in. Yeah, he's a beast. Uh, Anthony, what's the under 0.5 rounds on that fight? Let me look it up. <clears throat> Give me a second. So under half a round for that Phil Hawes fight lines. Hold on a second here. So under a half round is plus 215. Interesting. 
How about over a half round is minus 300? Damn, dude. I love you, Anthony. So the over a half round in Hawes versus Ferreira is minus 300. If you did it could last two and a half minutes, that's a nice parlay piece. If not, it's plus money. It's plus 215. That's brilliant, Anthony. Sancho writes in here, Hawes and Mata would be a parlay theme of win or unemployed. <laughs> that's a great comment. Well said. Anthony writes in here, laugh my ass off, chin transplant. Well, if I could, chin, yeah, you got, you know what I meant, but I'm glad you like the laughter, Anthony. Yeah. PSSA31 says, Drew Dober chin with Phil Hall's abilities would be crazy. Yeah, dude, yo, that it's funny you mentioned that. Yeah, like Drew Dober got a, he got that farm chin. Like Drew Dober has that chin where like you got to like, you got to kill that man. He's always a good time to watch watching him fight, Drew Dober. All right. A few more comments here. Let me get back to this, these breakdowns. Anthony writes in here, bro would be a real-life superhero. Yeah, he would. Drew Dober with Phil Hall. Drew Dober chin with Phil Hall's abilities would be a legit champ. Yeah, Sancho Bermuda writes in, under half round, question mark. First time I've seen that bet. Well, here's the thing, Sancho, and I'll talk more about this later on in some future episodes, but... I do mess with those half round bets because they're like this fight here <clears throat> could it end in, in less than a half round? It could. It could. Which is which is which is yeah, it could. It's plus two fifteen. But that shit could happen. Now, if you're like, listen, there's no way. Just give me like two minutes and thirty seconds. <laughs> Let's get there. Then the over to over a half rounds minus three hundred. It's 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 a tad bit chalky, but like damn good parlay piece. You could watch literally just two and a half minutes of the fight and be like, I'm good. My shit cash, right? No worries, Sancho. It's good to have you here, man. Thanks for stopping through. I think it's your first time coming through here, but uh, first time. Hoping hopefully not not long time till we see you again. Okay, let's get back to these fights. So again, we like um, <clears throat> Bruno Ferreira. To pull this thing off here in that first fight on the uh on the main card. Now, second fight. Whew, well, for, first first of all, I need to actually wrap things up, right? I'm over talking tonight. Have a good time with you guys. The comments also love it. Keep the comments going. So next fight, Ricky Simone versus Mario Batista. I'm gonna spare you guys the the numbers of their side by side. These guys are pretty well known. And it's a fight where when I first saw the matchup, you got Simone minus 192, minus 200 odds versus Bautista plus 160. I, I agree with the odds. I, I see no problem with Bautista being a dog. And, you know, I mean, I'm okay with it. But I like Bautista to win. So give me Mario Bautista by decision at plus 350. That's the pick I like. Spot I like. Method of victory, right? For Bautista, enjoying a five-fight winning streak that included three submission wins. The only two blemishes on his record are a submission loss to Corey Sanhagen and a knockout or TKO defeat to Trevin Jones. Now, the loss of Jones, Duffy has not aged well. Jones is no longer with the UFC. He's also one in five in his last six fights. So I do want to own that. Even though I'm choosing Batista to win, that Trevin Jones loss, yeah, not a good look. But growing pains are real, 
right? And I think Bautista has now sort of grown from that experience, has sort of learned. You know, a round two knockout against Trevin Jones, a guy who I believe had way more, way less upside than Bautista did at that point in his career. Again, a good learning point. Now, Bautista has improved significantly since then, looking better than ever. While the fight is standing, he'll be the better striker. More volume, better technique. I think he strikes with more power than Ricky Simone. Simone's a, a wrestler turned boxer, mixed martial artist, which you can kind of see it. The wrestling's pretty good, but like striking's, a, you know, it could be could be it could be better, right? The grappling exchanges, though, to me, are we're going to be very interesting about how this fight, you know, sort of unwraps. So for Bautista, good grappler, pretty good wrestler. Simone kind of, you know, sort of like hangs his hat on that area of the fight. For Simone, I believe he needs wrestling success here to be victorious. Hell of a wrestler, averages more takedowns per fight than Bautista. So to me, if if we had a victory by Simone, it's probably because he has wrestling success and control time. Now, Simone, on a five-fight winning streak before he ran into Yadong Song in his last fight, which was just last year. Now, in Simone's defense, it was a round five knockout. It wasn't like he got dominated, knocked out round one or round two. Five-fight affair, main event. He gets finished late in the fight. All that said, though, Simone got exposed in the feed. And then Yudong Song was able to neutralize the wrestling. What it showed me was this. Even though I like Ricky Simone as a fighter, like his background, the family ties and mixed martial arts, the whole thing, wrestling especially background, if he can't have wrestling success and is forced to fight in the feet, it's just not where he can he can't exist there. It's a it's a tough thing for him. And Bautista to me is a much better striker, much more fluid, longer arms, better combinations. And look at this where where Bautista, for example, excels there and could probably exist on the ground a little bit. It's it's the other way with it's the other way with Simone. Simone good at the ground, but completely falls apart in the feet. And so Bautista. He's a good enough wrestler, I believe, to sort of neutralize what Simone will do. And Simone at minus 192, not a bad price tag for him if you like him. But man, Mario Bautista at plus 160, a guy who I believe is formidable on the ground enough to neutralize Simone. And on the feet, uh, you know, now another thing too is also this. <clears throat> age is not a big factor in this fight. These guys are similar in age. But Bautista is slightly younger. He's 30 years old. You've got my man Simone at 31. Not a factor of age, but I believe that Mario Bautista has the bigger upside, too. He's the guy with the brighter future, I believe. He's the guy who has a skill set, I believe, to translate to him becoming a top contender, whereas I believe that Ricky Simone, unfortunately, is kind of like peaked out. I mean, that's my humble opinion. I could be wrong, but I feel like we've seen the best of Simone. And with Yudong Song sort of picking apart Ricky Simone last fight, that kind of was the clue. Like, listen, there's a cap on this thing. And I believe right now Ricky Simone is going to hit that cap. The, the stats suggest this fight will end inside the distance. But here's my thing. This fight, I believe, could also go the full distance. You know, of their last 10 combined fights, three of them went to decision. So that means seven did not. That's a high percentage of fights not go the full distance. But these guys are sort, sort of like evenly matched. We mentioned before, Simone got finished in round five by Yang, Yudong Song. Could we see a fight where it goes the full distance? Absolutely. To me, a good spot here, a safe spot is a parlay piece. The fight begins round number two at minus 550 odds. Very chalky, yes, but now we're just talking about five minutes and we're Gucci as our, as our parlay piece. Over 1.5 rounds, minus 350, same kind of thing where it's like, listen, just get seven and a half minutes, 
We cashed that leg of our parlay. Simone by split decision is plus 700. Bautista by split plus 1200. And just Bautista straight up at the money line. Now, my thought process there is this. This fight, again, two evenly matched fighters. If you like Simone, are you really thinking he's going to finish this guy, Bautista? Bautista's kind of tough, man. And Bautista as well. Like I don't think he's going to finish Simone either. It's going to be close. They both have their moments. Simone's to bounce back fight for Simone. Bautista recognizes the opportunity. The over 1.5 rounds at minus 350 odds is my prop lock here. The spot that I like the most. But again, even the fight beginning round number two at minus 550 odds is not a bad spot if you're looking just to get a fine, simple, easy parlay piece. Five minutes and I'm done. Give me Bautista. A live dog here to win the fight. And that is our second fight in the, on the main card. We've got three more to go. Jim Miller versus Gabriel Benitez is next. I'm going downstairs. I'm going to grab me a glass of wine and I'm going to be right back. In the meantime, enjoy the tunes and uh, get up, relax, stretch your arms, and uh, keep the comment section going. I try to find love in someone else.
All right, boys and gals, I am back. We are making our way up this main card. Slowly but surely. <laughs> My intention was to just do a one-hour episode, right, and go over the card, but, uh, you know, one thing leads to another, start talking too much, and then here we are. I'll make these last few fights a little bit shorter and sweeter, just in the respectful of time. If you're in a late time zone, it's getting to that point. It's 11 p.m. here Eastern Time. I appreciate you guys stopping by. The company is always appreciated. We'll talk the last three fights here of the card. Some details, and I'll give you a quick recap of our picks. Picks to win and our prop locks. If you haven't done so already, please like and subscribe. We appreciate your support. No money required. Just like and subscribe. A few clicks there. Follow our content. Comment. Reach out. Share. Okay. Here we go. Let's talk some business in your last few fights. This fight will be a very quick, simple, confident pick. I like Jim Miller to win this fight when it first got laid out. These guys are similar in terms of fight experience, been around for a long time. Of course, Miller been around for like since UFC 89, dude. <laughs> like Jim Miller made his promotional debut at UFC 89, not 189. 89. And of course, Miller wants to be the first fighter to fight in like the the various UFC century numbers, right? The the first the single digits to 100. The hundreds, two hundreds, and then three hundred. Right, he'll get there too. Over the course of his nineteen-year career, he's obtained a reputation of being professional and also very durable. In fifty-three professional fights, he's only been finished a handful of times. It's been almost six years since the last time that he was finished, and that was Charles Oliveira, twenty eighteen, by submission, I believe. Miller has a tremendous cardio, big gas tank, legit finishing ability. His last eight wins occurred into the distance. Five by submission, by the way. Now, considering Benita's struggles with durability, Miller, to me, is a great option into the distance. Submission or TKO. And again, we mentioned before, he's chasing history. The first ever. It'll happen again in the future, but the first ever guy to fight, you know, three different century marks for the UFC. For Benitez, he went pro 17 years ago, so it's not his first rodeo by any means. Been with the UFC for about 10 years. He averages more strikes per minute than Miller, so that's that, like, how can he win? What's the path to victory? Well, it would be for him to outstrike Miller, not get knocked out or submitted, go the full distance, win over two of the few judges, right? Miller's last four defeats, by the way, should be noted, were by decision. So, again, if you like Benitez, to me, it's by decision. It's the way that Miller has lost his last few fights, and it's the way that I believe Benitez can win the fight in terms of getting ahead of the scorecards, right? For Benitez, he's 2-4 and four in his last six fights, not doing the best during that last you know six-fight stretch. He was knocked out three times in that period of fights. He's been finished four times in his last 11 bouts. So getting finished in almost half of his last 11 fights, which is multiple years, but now getting finished at an even a higher rate. 
kind of like our last we mentioned before showing the telltale signs of deterioration just age getting older as a fighter it's not it's not something to be embarrassed about like been fighting for almost 20 years this shit happens so for us benitez the biggest issue is durability that's our biggest concern he needs to be mindful of miller's power miller has knocked out three of his last five opponents and for benitez a decision win seems like the most realistic path to victory <clears throat> excuse me the main spots for this fight are going to be the fight does not go the full distance minus 280 and miller into the distance at plus 130 i love miller in this spot He's the kind of guy where he's come upon recent power in his hands, knocking people out. I think three of his last four wins have been by knockout, something like that. But yeah, Miller is the kind of guy where he's an ageist wonder, you know, good enough everywhere to compete with the top guys and against people that are not like elite. He can still extend them and expose them. <coughs> Excuse me, moi. Okay, we shall move on. Manel Cop against. Matthias Nicolau. Let me pull up their side-by-sides here real quick. And this is, of course, the co-main event of the fight card. I've heard the chirping about people saying, oh, you know, the star power is lacking and these guys aren't that good and blah, 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 blah. Hey, man, just give me some mixed martial arts, right? Just give me some mixed martial arts and I'll be fine. I'll be happy with it. Some UFC, whatever. I ain't complaining. So co-main event, flyweight bout. These are small guys, 125 pounders, Manel Kopp and Matthias Nicolau. Now, Manel Kopp, star boy, 19 and 6 against Nicolau, 93 and 1. This is a rematch. They fought before, and Nicolau won by split decision. So, kind of a little bit of drama there. They have some experience with each other. And or history, as I say. I'm going to make this, this breakdown really short and sweet. Again, out of time constraints. I need to go. <laughs> Give me Manel Kopp. By decision. Matthias Nicolau is crafty. He can escape situations. He'll probably be backing up too much. Looking to find a mistake from Manel Cop over the course of three rounds. Manel Cop going forward, forcing Manel, forcing Nicolau to adjust. Probably lands a few hard shots. Puts Matthias Nicolau in some danger. Matthias tries to land his back. Chase, you know, triangle chokes, you know, whatever. All kind of stuff from his back. We're just backing up. I think Manel Cop at minus 270 to 280 odds is a great pick for a possible parlay piece. He's the better fighter to me with the higher upside. Now, you can argue, okay, they fought before, and Nikolai won by split decision. He barely won. Now, since then, they've both gone on winning streaks. They both have fought some good fighters and look good. It's my interpretation that I think Cop is the better fighter. Now, not by much. Cop by decision is plus 165. That's a spot I'm looking at as a possible outcome here. But again, a fight where, from a betting perspective, <clears throat> I want limited exposure. I could see Nicolau spoiling things for Cop. Um, at the same time, I see Cop finishing him, knocking him out. It's just a lot of things can happen here. But here's some spots to consider. The fight goes over 1.5 rounds, minus 295, which, again, they've gotten a split decision already before. The fight starts round two, minus 450. Very chalky, but it could be a parlay piece. The fight goes the full distance, minus 125. Once again, they've been to a split decision. Cop by split plus one eight plus eight hundred, Nicolau by split plus twelve hundred, then cop of the money line. So this fight might play out a lot like the last fight. Could be super close. Look at those split props as a possible idea of playing. For us, the prop lock here is the fight begins round two at minus four fifty. 
Again, I like Cop here in the fight. He's minus 278 in the line. To me, just a better fighter, however you look at it. More explosive, more athletic, better finishing power. Matthias Nicolau still can win, but he has to be crafty. He has to have a judge sort of side with him on some things. He needs to attempt a submission. Uh, it's just, uh, again, Starboy to me, better fighter right now and way better upside. Okay. We are up to the main event of the evening. Magomed Ankalaev versus Johnny Walker. We'll pull up their uh, profile. <coughs> Excuse me. So I'm not going to do <laughs> like my man Tom Cruise did. I'm not going to do what everyone thinks I'm going to do. Flip out. I have an opinion of Johnny Walker, which sort of forces me to not take him very serious. That's the best way to put it. I, I don't believe Johnny Walker is the most locked in guy when it comes to fighting and winning fights. And I believe his last fight when he went to a no contest with Uncle Live kind of reflected that. Instead of boring you guys with numbers and details, I'm giving my opinion. We'll see if I'm right this weekend. I believe that Johnny Walker did not want to continue the last fight when he was against Uncle Live. Which is why when the judge, when the referee asked him, or judge, I'm sorry, the doctor asked him, are you okay to continue? Is your groin okay? The fight was stopped because Uncle Life landed a low blow on Walker early in round one. And instead of Walker just saying, no, I'm okay, dude, give me a second, let me just shake it off. When the, when the, when the doctor was asking him, like, can you continue? Walker was looking around in space like he didn't understand how to speak English. If you look at Walker's past fights, interviews, he speaks English. He understands English. Now, can he write a dissertation in English? Probably not. Can he, you know, submit a thesis in English? Probably not. But he can talk English. He understands when a doctor's asking him, are you okay to fight? Instead of him responding, like, yes, uh, just give me a second. Like, he was looking around the room. Then the fight gets called. The, the judge, the, I mean, the, the doctor does this, right? He fights off. And he responds with like, oh, no. What do you what do you mean? No, I'm ready to fight. Come on. What? Like, we've all seen that guy before. That's the guy who, when he's like across the parking lot or two blocks away, he's yelling at you like, I'm going to F you up, dude. Come on over here. I'll beat your ass. Then you get him in his face and he's like, what's what's, 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 what's the problem, man? What's... He lowers his voice. <laughs> he don't want that smoke no more. I'm sorry. I've seen that. I've seen that guy before. I've seen that character before. Now, full disclosure: these guys are all warriors. They all fight in the cage. It's tough living. They got more balls than me. Anyone else talking about fights? I'm just calling a spade a spade. Johnny Walker in that last fight against Uncle Live looked like he didn't want no parts of it. He looked like he was trying to find a way out of there without fighting. Now, <laughs> on the flip side, Uncle Live is kind of cut from the same mold. Uncle Lion's goal is to win the fight while sustaining the least amount of damage possible. So if Uncle Live can win every fight by decision and never get punched, he would do it that way. Like if he could fight like the way that that uh, Leon Edwards fought against Colby Covington, where it's like no one gets phased, no one gets hurt, no one gets hit by anything too hard, everyone stays safe. That's the way Monk, uh, Uncle Live fights. So these guys, in some ways, are kind of similar. 
which that's where shit can get crazy. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's a five-round fight. Look for those split props. But give me Ankalaev to just do a little bit more. Walker's going to do way more before he actually gets in the octagon. He'll be dancing, you know, bailando, doing all his stuff, the music, salsa, everything. The fight starts. <laughs> He's going to be circling like a mother. He's going to be staying away from any kind of contact. I imagine the fans, all 15 of them in the uh, Apex will be booing. Probably not, actually, because they don't really boo in the Apex. The Apex is too small. So if you start booing, you kind of look like a weird person. But all 15 people in attendance are going to be watching a very slow fight that at times will look very, like, very underwhelming. Now, could we see a round three or four finish where one of them just decides, you know what, I'm going to pick up the pace. I'm going to go for it. Johnny Walker walks into something. Ron Kalaev, who's also a non-finisher, gets finished himself. Yeah, it's possible. The fight beginning around number two, over 1.5, the distance, all that stuff, that appeals to me. Split props, all that stuff makes sense. Because, again, on paper, the numbers don't lie. These guys, they can't finish a fucking sandwich. They, they don't finish anything. So when you look at the last fight, no contest. Why? Because, again, Walker didn't want to keep fighting. And on Kalaev, I've never seen this guy actually attack the pace or pick up the urgency or go for it. So, you know, look, if you got Walker, like Zeno Gray writes in, and he says, I got Walker. Fuck it. You know, it's not a terrible play. You got Uncle Live is a huge favorite right now. And it's like, I don't know that he's going to win the fight in dominating fashion. I just think that Johnny Walker wants it less than, than Uncle Live. Like Johnny Walker will. <laughs> I posted a tweet the other day. I said, Uncle Live's going to win by decision. And then Johnny Walker is going to do what he did in his last fight with this guy. When the decision gets announced, he'll be like, oh, I got robbed. What's going on, bro? And it's like you had five rounds to do something. <laughs> the same way that Johnny Walker last fight when the ref, when the doctor, doctor said the fight's over, he was like, oh, I want to keep fighting. Yeah, I think Walker is more of an actor. He's more of a like maybe he should be like with like you know, look for a career in acting or pro wrestling because I do um, I do kind of wonder how much does he really want that smoke? You know what I mean? Anyway, long story short, let me go ahead here and zero up with you guys. That's UFC Vegas 84. Let me give you guys a quick summary of the picks that we have and the methods of victory. I'm going to begin, the begin, begin, I'm going to begin I'm sorry, with the prelim card first and then work my way up. So first fight the card. Like Joshua Van to win by decision, that's plus 220 odds. Then Nicholas Moda to win by decision at plus 900 odds. Gene Silva by round one submission, that's plus 400 odds. We like Fareed Boshfrat to win by decision, that's minus 135 odds. Marcus McGee by round two knockout at plus 650 odds. Preston Pressure Parsons. By round two submission at plus 1,000 odds over Matthew Semmelsberger. The last fight to play him card. Give me Waldo Cortez Acosta by a round two knockout over Arlovsky at plus 300 odds. The first fight the main card. Bruno Ferreira by a round one knockout over Hawes at plus 165 odds. Next fight the main card. Give me Mario Bautista, the dog here, to win by decision over Ricky Simone. That's plus 350 odds. Jim Miller, the old man Jim Miller, 40-year-old Jim Miller to win by a round two knockout over Gabriel Benitez. That's plus 900 odds. 
which is wild because you look at the last few fights for for Miller, he's been smoking dudes. And Benitez doesn't have a good chin. So Coming event, Manel Cop the second. We like him to win by decision over Matthias Nicolau in the revenge fight here, or rematch, I guess. By decision for Cop is plus 165. Magomed Ankalaev to win over Johnny Walker. By decision is plus 450. Ankalaev just to win outright is minus 550. I don't get it because Ankalaev is not a high-level finisher. Walker's got pretty good cardio. They both don't want that smoke. I can see that like four of these five rounds just getting chewed up by the t- by the clock. Maybe the referee stepping in and telling them, listen, let's, let's fight. Okay, a recap of the picks to win. Just the picks to win, not the props or the methods of victory. The picks to win are Ankalaev, Kopp, Miller, Bautista, Bruno Ferreira, Waldo Cortez, Acosta, Preston Parsons, Marcus McGee, Fried Boschrat, Gene Silva, Nicholas Mota, and Joshua Van. Matter of fact, let me do a recap of that because this will be our Swift Picks portion of the video for UFC Vegas 84. Their first fight in the car, we like Joshua Van by decision. Nicholas Mota by decision. Gene Silva, round one submission. Fried Boschrat by decision. Marcus McGee, round two knockout. Preston Parsons by a round two submission. Waldo Cortez Acosta over Arlovsky by a round two knockout. First fight in the main card. Bruno Ferreira by a round one knockout over Phil Hawes. Mario Bautista to win by decision. Jim Miller by a round two knockout. Manel Cobb by decision. And the main event, Magomed Ankalaev to win over Johnny Walker by decision. Those are your swift picks for UFC Vegas 84. All right. Thank you guys for joining me tonight. Uh, one more thing before I go, actually, is our promo piece in the prop locks. The prop locks for this fight card, the spots we like the most, if you're going to parlay a prop for a fight, here they are. The main event for Ankalaya versus Walker, our prop lock is the fight begins round number two at minus 280. Manel Kopp versus Matthias Nicolau, the prop lock is the fight begins round two at minus 450 odds. Jim Miller versus Gabriel Benitez, the prop lock is the fight does not go the full distance at minus 280 odds. Ricky Simone versus Mario Bautista. The prop lock is the fight begins round number two at minus 550 odds. Bruno Ferreira versus Phil Hawes. The fight not beginning round number three is our prop lock at minus 400 odds. That's the prelim card. Cortez Acosta versus Arlovsky. The fight does not go the full distance. It's minus 260 odds. It's our prop lock for that fight. Semmelsberger versus Parsons. Our prop lock is the fight also going no distance at minus 200 odds. Mr. Marcus McGee versus Gaston Bolanos, the fight under two and a half rounds. Our prop lock is the fight going under two and a half rounds at minus 195 odds. Free Boschfrat versus Taylor Lapolis, the fight going over 1.5 rounds at minus 525 odds is our prop lock. Gene Silver versus Weston Wilson, the prop lock is the fight going under 1.5 rounds at minus 375 odds. Down to the first two fights in the card, Tom Nolan versus Nicholas Moda. Our prop lock is the fight beginning round number two. The prop price has not been released just yet. In the first fight in the card, Joshua Van versus Felipe Boons. The fight going over 1.5 rounds. Our prop lock is minus 175 odds. Those are your prop locks for UFC Vegas 84. You guys are the best. It's always good seeing you too as well, Anthony. Thank you for coming by. Thank you for supporting us as usual. And yeah, good time to remind everyone that uh, the most important thing that you could do is ELE, right? So if you're new to this channel or you're this for the first time or maybe hearing this on the podcast, everybody love everybody. 
hashtag ELE, which, you know, some people are hard to love, right? Some people are just, you know, kind of leave you in a situation where it's easy to hate them or not like them. But LPS, my man, shout out to you, Peace Symbol, Sancho Bermuda, can't wait to watch the fights. I'm with you, dude. Zeno Gray, great stream. Right back at you, homie. Right back at you. Um, but all the people who came through tonight, all of you guys, uh, my man over here, Pau Atan, he says, Dinah disagrees so he, we can oil you up. Uh, not really sure what that meant, but uh, it's good to have you here too, my man. <laughs> Either way, if you came through tonight, PSSA 31, for example, Anthony W., Sancho, Zeno Gray, uh, Thomas Montanaro, Antoine Willis, LPS. If I said your name three times, because I just, I just love you so much. Thanks for coming through, guys. I appreciate your time. Appreciate the support. Um, and uh, yeah, guys, enjoy the fights this weekend. There's some boxing this weekend as well. I'm not sure what day it's on, but UFC will be cranking off on Saturday at 4 o'clock p.m. New York time. That's 4 o'clock p.m. East Coast time, my time, which will be like, I guess, 1 o'clock in Las Vegas. But enjoy the guy, enjoy the show, guys. Uh, enjoy the, the fights. But uh, don't forget, please, if you get some time, Subscribe to our newsletter. Also subscribe to our, our Tapology group. The links are down below for this stuff here. It's free to join our Tapology group. You get a chance to actually win some money and some prizes. And of course, our newsletter is another way for you to support our content. So thank you guys so much. On that note, I will see you guys very, very soon. Matter of fact, stop on by tomorrow night because we'll be here for MA Happy Hour with uh, yours truly along with Monique. And uh, I'll see you guys on the uh, on the rebound. Deuces.
place with style and grace. Allow me to lace these lyrical dishes in your bushes. Who uh. rock grooves and make moves with all the mommies. The, the back, back of the club, club. sipping my wit is where you find me. What? The back of the club, macking holes, my crew's behind me. Uh. Mad question asking, blunt passing, music lasting. But I just can't quit because one of these homies Biggie got to creep with. Sleep with, keep the epic secret. Why not? Why blow up my spot? Cause we both got hot. Now check it. I got more Mac than Craig and in the bed. Believe me, sweetie, I got enough to feed the needy. No need to be greedy. I got mad friends with Benzes. See notes by the layers. True fucking players. Jump in the rover and come over. Tell your friends, jump in the GS3. I got the chronic by the truth. Throw your hands in the air if you're a true player. I love it when you call me big pop. To the honeys getting money, playing niggas like zombies. Uh. I love it when you call me big pop. You gotta come up in your waist, please don't shoot up the club.